Feel Spot Activated. It's the ITC. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the boxing edition as we swipe right on your soul and invade your personal feel house with another lethal dose of that performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, yes, in fact, the voice that you hear. Just about ready to unleash Big Red on your eardrums, however. But I still got him in a cage. He listens to me very well. I'm going to let him loose another round. And unveil yet another loaded episode of Boxing Audio. Not only will we preview an absolutely loaded Saturday of fights, we will chat with a trio of the big names that will make up the marquee as Leo Santa Cruz stops by ahead of his much-anticipated featherweight rematch with Abner Morris on Showtime. And both Terrence Crawford and Jeff Horn will get you fired up for their welterweight title belt from Las Vegas. Look, this is the big leagues of combat podcasting with as much analysis, laughter, and absurdities to keep you coming back for more for two guys who love to bang. Bang, 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 bang. Try and stop it. Bang, bang. Here I come. Bang. You want to throw sometime? Bang. Wow, that sound has not. That is not aged gracefully, but just a reminder that if you hear something today on the show that you enjoy, that you like, if you see something, say something. Please, come on, take 60 seconds out of your life. Give us that five-star review, maybe a sentence about, you know, are you Team BC? Are you Team Rafe? Who do you come here for, right? Who are you in business for? We want to know. Do us that solid. Anyway, enough of that. Without any further ado, let me welcome in a man. Who truly puts the oh yeah in O face. He's an internationally renowned author, editor, Filipino TV star, newsletter writer, respecter of all things cruiserweights and ladies for the right price. Maybe your personal candy licker. Let me lick you up. Let me lick you down. Cruiserweight boxing. Lick you all around. Oh, baby, Rafe Bartholomew, live and direct from the left coast. How is it, my man? Well, hi, Brian. Brian, mate, it's Jeff Horn. I'd like to say, I don't know what my voice is doing, but... <laughs> Jeff Horn Jeff from Horn. Wales? Is that what I'm hearing right now? I'm bringing... I'm, I, I'm, it's hard to do the, the high-pitched and the Aussie thing at the same time. Yes, yes. Uh, but I was just going to say, Jeff Horn is serious this week. He's bringing three loads, so you can watch all you want. Oh, he's not going God. to run out of them. Oh, come and, on. Um, you know, he's... Oh, just disgusting. <laughs> He's he's going to take Terrence Crawford's nuts, and then he's going to take his soul. Wow. Do you know what Bob Arum once said about that guy? The guy has balls. He fights like a tough, tough gang member. Bob, it took you a long time to get that out <laughs> of your mouth. gang member. Uh, Rafe, are you fired up for this loaded boxeo weekend? Like, this is a pretty damn good week, right? This is a good time I to am be a fired. There's day. a lot going on. There's a lot going on. But uh, I wanted to shoot the shizzle for a moment before we get into the latest news, or as Eddie Hearn would would probably tell us right now, right? If I only could find the soundbite quick enough here. Eddie Hearn, where are you? Everyone's shitting themselves, right? And I'm just getting started. We are just getting started. Rafe, with all the audio competition of late, we make jokes on this show, the mad dash to come up with an original and catchy name for your boxing show. I was thinking maybe, maybe it's time that we... Changed, changed up the marquee a bit. You know, can I pitch a few name change ideas at you? You tell me which one you might like best. 
Yes, please, lay them on me. In this corner, kind of dated, kind of old, kind of, kind of been there, done that, right? Like, you, you see it everywhere you go now. I, I mean, you could, you could argue that in this corner has been cooked. Wow, wow. All right. How, how about number one, in your feel hole? <laughs> um, we could get, uh, a, we could get the Yusuf Mac, uh, uh, demographic in here real <laughs> yes, quick with that one. Very, very, very quickly with that one. How about, uh, number two? Hot beef injection, right? Another hot beef injection. <laughs> it doesn't really say anything about boxing, except unless we use like a big avatar of Canelo with the with that title, then I think it could work. And how about we just change the colors, maybe blue and yellow, and just. <laughs> nah, too too regional. A little too rich. I mean, if you go, do you think way back when we were brainstorming ideas for the Ropes podcast at Grantland, uh, we thought of, because it was right at the, the height of our Triple G mania, and we actually, I remember suggesting, we, and we almost, we, we liked it for a second, like, what if we call it like the Good Boy Boxing Podcast? Oh, that, we're a good boy. We're a good that, boy. Okay, that would have been solid. That would have been solid. It's solid, but the thing is, you never know when guys are going to fall off, and then you're stuck with this name. Yeah, I know, but... No, I think Rosado, good boy. That would have been great. All right, final final suggestion. Maybe you like this one better. It's, it's It took me a while, but the Chris Mannix show starring Chris Mannix. Yeah, I mean, that's you know that is going to be a busy podcast. We're going to be busy. Now, how busy? Uh, like, the question essentially is... How busy would you like to be this year? Busy. All right, all busy. Right. All right, enough of that. Enough of that. Hey, Rave, I've been fired up over this uh, respect box newsletter. It's been, it's been, you know, producing the cackles on the inside of me here. You know, you get. Are you seeing subscriptions boom right now? Uh, it's been steady growth. It's, I'm pretty happy with it. You know, I'm committed to it. It's, it's also just fun for me. I'm going to read this junk online every week, and it's nice to have an outlet to to share it with uh, the other passionate Buxeo fans. Okay, I like it. I like it. I could it could use I it could use. Um, uh, sometimes I say it could use more Foley. Sometimes maybe more Jude Foley. You look, that's totally up to Foley. I leave it up to him how much he wants to contribute, what he's got in the tank. You know, he's a, he's a father. He's he's got a lot on his plate. Well, oh, gross tank, gross. Yeah, he think he's got a lot of that off of his tank already. You know, now he'll he's more like Billy Joe Saunders these days. He's going to be pulling out a lot more. Um, Rafe, um, that's pretty disgusting. But let's get into the latest news cycle, which starts off. With our guy, the gypsy himself, WBO middleweight champion Billy Joe Saunders, who's back in the news, and he has one question for you, Rafe. But Yvonne Traverin, you're new. What's that meant for me? Yvonne Traverin, you're obviously. Well, I'm a... No, but listen, you've had Traveller in here, I don't even know what that means. I don't want to know what that means. But the news is, Rafe, that for the second time in four months, BJS has pulled out of a title defense against lovable bridesmaid Martin Murray. Supposed to be April 14th. Supposed to be June 23rd. Now it's off again. And it's Murray who came out with an Instagram video that's been like, basically, hey, bro, I know what you're doing. You think you might get Triple G or Canelo in September. So you made a business decision. Rafe, your thoughts? Well, it's hard not to uh, see where Martin Murray is coming from. And while we don't – there's no way for us to, to, like, verify how severe the hamstring injury that that Billy Joe Saunders has claimed is causing him to miss this fight. The fight was supposed to be June 23rd. Is that right? Yes. So that, that's a pretty severe hammy pull if he's pulling out – Three weeks in advance, uh, that's a, that's a little bit suspect to me. And I, I kind of, I definitely sympathize with Martin Murray in this case. 
Um, and, and it was that the timing was always the issue when, of course, in the past week, we've had Oscar De La Hoya and Eric Gomez of Golden Boy product promotions, uh, saying, well, okay, well, if Triple G is going to be this way, screw him. We're going to Saunders. We're going to Danny Jacobs. We're going to Jamal Charlo. We're going to Gary O'Sullivan. And, and the, the, the Saunders, while we always kind of assume that really that just means we're going to Gary O'Sullivan, um, <laughs> One of the reasons that the Saunders example never worked was because we knew that Saunders was fighting at the end of June, and it's very unlikely for a guy who has been historically hard to get into the ring, hard to negotiate with, all of these things that come with the full Saunders package and the panache of Saunders. No um, panache. <laughs> no, he does have panache. A lot He's of got panache. panache. Yes, that's panache. I mean that 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 watch watching the David David Lemieux right sail by and you know looking at it that, that was panache that is the yeah. definition Look, he, of panache in the Mike crowd Cop- when you have a little traveler in you exactly you don't need uh, Mike Coppinger to tell you you're, you're, you're a quality operator a quality bloke a quality fighter yeah I mean come on he is he's anyway, all those things but he's but he's not easy to negotiate with and and it was impossible to imagine that he would come back after fighting on June 23rd and and have a short camp and fight Canelo or Triple G in September. So now seems like that option is open. And we, I mean, we are, we'll talk about this later when we talk about Horn Crawford. Seems like there was a little similar situation how that fight got pushed back from April to June. This is not unheard of in boxing. It's unfortunate. It really makes me feel bad for Martin Murray. Is Martin Murray, let me ask you, uh, and he's, I know not the, the sort of the lead of this story. Uh, because he's the B side in the fight, but is Martin Murray the most hard one? He might be the most hard luck fighter I can think of in, yes. in recent years, going all the way back to, you know, getting jobbed against Felix Sturm, uh, to yes, getting jobbed against Sergio Martinez. So to, let's stop right there. Pause right there. Yeah. For all of you that don't remember, in Argentina in 2014 or 2012, whichever one it was, in the rain, 2013, I think it may have been in between. Yeah, it was after yeah. the, after the Chavez fight. He won, he won that fight. He knocked Martinez down late. He won that fight. He got jobbed. He got jobbed. Yeah. There, I mean, I, look, I love Sergio. 15, he is 12. one of my, I mean, I, I worship that man and it broke my heart, but that was when we basically saw that Martinez was not the same fighter, that the knee as, as, as his, you know, as his, as, trainer would say famously in the final fight against Miguel Cotto champion your knee is not responding it's not <laughs> responding champion the leg will not respond it, the, le- the leg stopped responding that 12th round even though it was the fight of Sergio's career he outclassed Chavez they did everything he said he was going to but that 12th round when when Chavez suddenly became his father for for three minutes the only three minutes we'll ever see it um also ended Sergio Martinez and he wasn't the same guy and yeah he basically lost to 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 our guy Martin Murray there in Argentina and Martin Murray had some bad police record thing on his past that always prevented him so he can't play yeah he can't can't fight fight in the the U.S. and you know three times he's fought for a title and come up short you know against Triple G that's the best performance of Martin's career, which in the end was a one-sided loss, but he refused to, to, to pull a Matthew, not like, I'm not saying Matthew Mack can quit. I'm saying he refused to just take a hard shot from Golovkin and be like, nope, I'm, I'm done. He refused to be a wash keel. He nearly pushed Golovkin 12 rounds before getting knocked out in the 11th in Monaco and taking a beating for doing that. But yeah, I mean, it's hard luck. This is twice now that he's been in camp. He's 35. This is probably his last big payday. 
But as a boxing fan, you don't really need to see that fight. You'd rather see BJS against one of these two and Canelo Triple G if we can't make this fight for September. And there's really nothing to update this week in the negotiations except for more of this public back and forth of, like, we're going to take our business elsewhere. Well, hey, guys, it's a week later and nothing's happened. So what are you doing? What are you doing this September? Can we get, can we get down to it already? Because uh, if you need show, there's somebody who's always ready, right? He's a, he stay right here. Guys, you, you need show. You need amazing show. Just call me. I'm staying here. I'm ready for everybody. You stay right here. So, uh, can we just get some clarity? I'm, I'm starting to get a little annoyed for, for this September thing. Like, just tell me where we're going now. I don't want to play this. We're playing this game with Wilder and Joshua so much with Anthony Josh. You know that guy, right? I, that I just like. Anthony Josh. Yeah, that guy. I just don't want to play this game with Triple G and now Saunders and just, you know, like, come on, right? Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. It really sucks. Uh, and, it, and it's, I think it's more dangerous than, we as boxing fans kind of we we like to dismiss it oh it's just just posturing it'll happen the money always wins in the end it doesn't it if that if that that's what we said when canelo tested positive for clenbuterol and and we all assumed that he was going that the fight would still push through because eric morales got to fight on clenbuterol back in the day uh and there were so we're just like oh it'll happen there's too much money yeah there's a lot of money in it but if these guys you know if they keep Saying things that annoy each other, piss each other off. It's just, you're opening the door for us to miss this fight. And it, as much as people say, oh no, the, the, I don't want to even see that fight anymore. I want to see the oh, Derek and Jacob. Stop go, it. Go straight. Yeah. Get Teddy on this. Get Teddy on this right now. I mean, come on. Like just, just, just stop that crap. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah. I mean, I just can't take that. And then shut up. Shut up. I'm talking. Shut up. Yeah, I mean, it's 2013. Just get over. It. All right. So, Rafe, I do know actually what's going to happen this fall. I, I'm not ready to reveal. In fact, I know who's going to fight who in the middleweight division in what order. But I've taken you know, just trying something here. I, I put it on a USB stick and I had it sewn into my draws. And one lucky listener, by the way, Rafe, come September, we'll find out exactly how it played out in my shorts, Rafe. I only ask one thing, though, between now and then. Do not ask me after the fight what is on this stick. Because there's only one thing on that stick, as we already know. Rip that suit off. <laughs> Show everyone your S. Hey, speaking of Radio Rahim, time out right here. Did you see the breaking news this week when Radio Rahim interviewed... Jermel Charlo for boxing scene. And Jermel. I, I missed that one. We, have you ever been wondering why his name is Radio Rahim and what may be his real name or any? Have you ever wondered that? Well, I always assumed that Radio Rahim was a reference to do the right thing. Well, Jer, does Jermel have the same thought? Radio Rahim. Why do they call you Radio Rahim? Cause suckers never play me. So there, there you go, right? There you go. Suck, there you go. Suckers. I can't remember. I need, is that, I can't remember. That must be a line from the movie. I, I, I mean, I, I always just... associate Radio Rahim with the tragic ending to that movie. Yeah. Um, but, you know. After put, after hearing that answer, you know. I know this sounds terrible. I think you should I mean, come on, guy. Come on. Just, just, come on. Really? Really? That's you think answer? that's too gassed up for Radio Rahim? Yeah, I don't come know. On. I love Radio Rahim. We always play his stuff. He gets great sound, but come on. You know? Nobody, almost no, no American videographer and interviewer gets the same kind of love 
from Eddie Hearn. I mean, there you're is right, there's right, chemistry right. there. Those guys, they look into each other's eyes. They're they're putting the arms over each other's shoulders. I mean, there's like some tall, slim, good-looking man connection between them there that I don't I I I'm not re- I'm not I'm not going to go I'm not going to give him the na- the, the right. Nassim yet. You're trying to say I'm a sucker who's trying to play him. I will say Radio Rahim does the second best Eddie Hearn interviews. The best is still Coogan Cassius of uh, IFL. I, like that guy's the- a guy who I mean he does he I you know Coogan Cassius is mostly interviewing UK fighters and maybe that's why he gets such good stuff just because the UK fighters are tend to say funnier stuff every time they're on camera. Uh, but man, he is amazing. I could yeah. watch I- IFL TV. Might be I like that more than HBO at this point in time. <laughs> I'm a, I don't care. I'll watch that over Westworld. I I've never seen an episode of Westworld. Alright. Um, you did send me some sound of, uh, Coogan Cash is talking to Eddie Hearn, sending Richie Swiss to hell, brother. I don't understand Richie Schaefer. Like, is he still got a job? Like, what, what is he doing? Well, I know he was doing a bit for the series to get US TV and to bring US fighters to the series. That worked out well. Not. And then, <laughs> like, he's, like, why would you sign with Eddie Hearn? What does he know about the U.S. market? Mate, who would sign with you? Like, anybody that tucks their shirt into a pair of jeans and wears them around their tits with a pair of sneakers on. <laughs> like, this is a no-go area. And a blazer with gold buttons. Mate, drop me out. This is not cool. This is not what the public and the market audience want to see. So, Richard Schaefer needs to pipe down and understand that right now, there's one guy that's relevant in that conversation, and he's Eddie Earn. It ain't wow. Richard Schaefer. Wow, that's reminiscent of him sending DeBella to hell. If he continues to wear that hat and that silly earring at his age, I'll banish him from the sport of boxing. I mean, we don't, maybe we don't give, we give Eddie a lot of credit for what he does business-wise, for his sartorial senses. Do we give him enough credit for sending people straight to the Triple D, to the deep dark depths? Brian, we have a new Manny Pacquiao, <laughs> and his name something. is Eddie Hearn. <laughs> He's great. No, he is. He is really in the in the promoter trash talk game. There's really no one. I, I man, they're on pretty good terms it seems right now. But how much fun would it be for Eddie Hearn and Bob Arum to get into a feud oh, yeah. and just go and just have that Eddie dropping great. old man stuff on him? I mean, Bob, really? every time they ask Bob about Eddie Hearn's new DAZN deal, Bob takes the high road and he's like, well, look, you know, this is good for boxing, more boxing, more money, more. This is good. So it's almost like he shows the, the gangster respect right there, right? Uh, real recognize real. In fact, there was a, it got deleted. I don't know what Eddie Hearn said in an interview. Uh, that, that made them want to take this down. But about a month ago, he had one where Eddie Hearn actually says, real, recognize real. Oh, <laughs> wow. Dead. I'm wondering if Eddie and Bob have ever hung out in their free time. Maybe, maybe they, they touch the some Philippine of Bob- Garden Hotel. Well, I was thinking touching M's like some of Bob's medicals, maybe, you know, some of his medicinal, uh, stuff, or maybe we had an orgy for two days. Never screwed so many women in my life in one short period of business. Wow. Uh, He definitely let Bob try on the waistcoat in that situation. (laughs) Hey, to close out on this Saunders thing, a lot of fun trash talk back and forth over the last 24 hours. Murray saying uh, essentially that BJS is is an ish house, essentially, and then posting a tweet that Billy Joe Saunders did in 2013 after David – 
Hay pulled out of the fight with Tyson Fury where he ripped him for that. And now essentially Billy Joe Saunders is doing the same thing. Saunders came back and just railed on him on some social media platform. It's typical, right? It's typical stuff, whatever. We'll see what happens. You got anything else on this? You don't, you don't do you? Well, I guess, I mean, I, I listened to Saunders' response and he somehow tried to say there was a difference between what he had done and what David Hay did. And it seems like almost the exact same situation where a fight was made twice and one guy called, you know, pulled out twice. Uh, and so I don't know why the argument is that Billy Joe Saunders is not doing that. In this case, it seems like exactly what he's doing. Besides that, though, it had some nice trash talk. Yeah, yeah, all right, all right. You know, that's, that's fine. That's fine with me. Hey, Rafe, also in the news this week, and I, I figured you got to be all over, all over this, and you were in your newsletter because nobody loves cruising more than you do, right? I mean, nobody, hmm. right? Like, I'm, I, could, I could play so many different versions of, of cruising together. But heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder, put out that video on social media after we recorded last week that basically said, hey, guys, after I wrap things up at heavy with Anthony Josh, I'm, I'm you know, think I might F around and get a triple-double down in cruiserweight and unify all them belts. Rafe, this had to get you fired up. Business be picking up at 200, brother. Come on, right? I guess it just makes so little sense that I couldn't, I, I couldn't quite – believe that it would ever happen in my beloved cruiserweight division sure if he he's welcome go for it if you want Deontay but it, it just seemed like you know some every once in a while when when Deontay Wilder is alone in his thoughts spreading them throughout the universe as he says in the caption like semen I don't know how I whatever whatever you want to say bro um whenever he's out there doing that he kind of he gets he goes off the rails a little bit. We've we've seen him like remember when he was doing those YouTube videos and acting really emotional about the Ortiz. I don't know why these guys, these fighters, they're afraid of me. They don't. I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> he he gets a little weird when you leave him to his own yeah, devices. Right? That's kind of what I how did I you ever took watch him this. eat a chip. Ooh, it must smell like Doritos. I mean, he guys look little guys a little creepy, right? You know, there is a guy, there is a guy, a Doritos man down at Cruiserweight. Who would be fun to see fight wow. Deontay Wilder? I mean, another lanky guy. Unfortunately, he's not 6'7". He's only about 6'3". Our guy, Junior Dorticos, who lost that tough, really fun fight to Mur Murat Gassiev earlier this year. And, and shoot, if he could somehow beat a cruiserweight Deontay Wilder at some point in time. He'll wow. feel a lot better about him. So there won't be any crying after that fight. Well, let's, let's, let's play realistic logistics here. Wilder is six none. foot seven. He just weighed in at like 214 against Ortiz and that was because he was sick and it was like the second lowest of his career. What's the cruise rate limit? 200 or 205? It's 200. Yeah, 200. 200. Ah, uh, 14 Not more Not WWE pounds? 205 live garbage. Oh, Dude, come on. Stop that you. crap. How dare you? Wow. Uh, could he really? I mean, could, could he really be cruising together? Because what's your one dream fight? Is it the Dor Doritos Man versus Dorticos? I mean, what is your one dream fight if we are in fact cruising together? Is it, uh, Mark, John Mark Mormack? What do you want here? It, it's bizarre. It makes no sense. I don't know what, I mean, because the dream fights are guys who are probably eyeing a move to heavyweight to fight Deontay Wilder. So he does not need to go down to fight Oleksandr Usyk or Murat Gassiev. By the time he's ready to go down, they're probably going to be looking to move up because there's more money at heavyweight. There's How more. They, 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 what's that? Give me that drop. I'm very feel. Oh, Usyk. I would, yes. So the biggest fight there for me would be Usyk. I would get very feel over that to see if Usyk would be able to sort of do the Ukrainian dance around big old Deontay Wilder. But your point and is let's do it at heavy. Over 12 rounds without getting hurt. Yeah, your point is if we're going to do that, let's 
Why why have Wilder cut down the last pound of fat on his body and just do that in open weight, right? Yes, that would make more sense in every possible every way possible. and is not even a far-fetched scenario two years down the line or something. Okay. Uh, okay. There, I mean, the cruiserweight division has had – some of the best fights this year, the most fun, the most fun of these WBSS tournaments, and they can't get it on US TV. Maybe that's because of Richard Schaefer and the way he tucks in his shirt and his sneakers and all that, all the Eddie Hearn disses, you know. But if you can't get fights like that on US TV, why does Deontay Wilder want? I mean, he'd be on TV, but he, there's obviously since forever we know there's more money at heavyweight stay there yeah. the cruiserweights the good ones who you'd want to fight will come up and fight you there nobody at cruiserweight is well, you ain't touch an M yet. nobody at cruiserweight's touching them so just stay away stay away all right hey rafe um i have only 10 seconds worked into the show for this topic but did you catch the uh, bare knuckle bonanza from cheyenne wyoming over the weekend no all right hey moving on rafe the final bit of news Happy 80K day, right? We just went, we just had the, was it the fourth anniversary or fifth? Fourth, I believe. Fourth anniversary of Carl Frotch sending George Groves to hell in their Wembley rematch in front of 80,000. I want to twice report, if you don't mind, in my last fight before, before I knocked out George Groves at Wembley Stadium in front of 80,000 fans, I worked. 80,000 at Wembley Stadium, perfectly on George Groves' chin and flattened him in front of 80,000. Uh, hey, shout out to uh, the Irish crew. Shout out to Alex Godinez. Shout out to Carl Frotch. It's a true milestone. I mean, it's it's since been broken, of course, but uh, 80K at one time was a was a moment. It has been broken. But what does everyone remember? Everyone talks about 80K. Don't talk about 90K. 80K is the number. All right. Is there a uh, fight? In the states that could get us 80k, and is there is there any stadium? Is, would it just be a Cowboy Stadium? Is that the only AT and T Stadium? Is that the only 80k zone for us in the states? Does that it, does that get up to 80k? I don't know, but Jerry World capacity. Because, uh, WrestleMania 32 a couple years ago did over a hundred thousand, but then the reports come out that WWE lies and inflates it, and the real attendance was like 87,000, which is obviously ridiculous, right? That's a lot. So of they can people. fit 80 in so there. So they can fit 80 in there. Let, let me ask you. Let me ask you this question: Since we, you, me, Alex, Godinez, we love 80k, what would Mayweather Pacquiao if it wasn't shoved into uh, the MGM Grand? In 2015, what would that have done inside of uh, inside of Cowboys AT and T? That would have done 80k no problem, right? Sure, yeah. I think if you know, because when you're doing 80k, you have the whatever the the top the last 50k of those don't cost that much, and people are just going because it'd be great to go be a part of the event. I think uh, any a huge super fight like that would get that. I think Floyd and McGregor in there would have done 80k. So let's do that. Why do we? Why do all the good things go to England these days? Why does everything good that happens in boxing happens in England? Why? That's not true. Speak it. What do you got? Well, I don't. There's nothing is going to England. There's just good stuff happening there, uh, and more of it will probably eventually come here to the states, for better or worse. But, but you know what's not going there, according to Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua, is the first fight against Deontay Wilder. That will stay in the yes. UK. Well, my, I guess my point on that is when you put 80K in a stadium or 90K or whatever, it becomes a cultural event, right? It, it becomes past the point of just a fight. Like you mentioned, people just want to say they were there. It becomes like a Woodstock, like a Ultimate. I was there when the fan got stabbed, right? <laughs> maybe that's a maybe that's a bad reference. But um, the whole point is people were like, I was there. Do you know who wasn't there for Maypack? Anyone who's Everyone. an actual <laughs> boxing fan. Yeah, because every seat was like $10,000. So, like, 
boxing. Why do you keep playing yourself in the states? Let's get money. fans. There's involved. more money. We know this. There's more. You can you can jack up the prices at at the T-Mobile Center and charge these crazy amounts. The casinos will pay it off and give them to the whales and and to the celebs who are going to come and waste their money enough money at the casinos to make it worth their whiles and. You're good. It's if if there was some way to I don't it's kind of amazing that you can make more money with 17,000 people in an arena in Las Vegas than four times, five times that many people in yeah. Dallas, but if that's the truth then that's what's going to happen. That's the Vegas money. It's worth more. It comes from the underground. It's like the black market money. People have died for that money to be printed, Rafe. Well, then then that money is worth something that that that, you know, that, worth, that worth something to somebody. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right, Rafe, let's get into our weekend preview. We'll also have some interviews interspersed in between. I want to start off with Friday, Rafe. Two cards I'm going to ask you straight up. Do you care? Are you ready? Okay. Friday I'm night, ready. ESPN2, same day tape delay bout from Verona, New York. Tape delay, Rafe. Tape delay. Golden Boy Boxing gives us Diego de la Hoya, Against Jose Salgado, ten rounds, junior featherweights. Do you care? No, not really. Nah, nah. When will we care about Diego De La Hoya? He he looked good in that one fight we saw. On I've seen him on undercards. He does look good. I will care when he's fighting for a championship. Basically, uh, you, you're going to leave it there. Okay. He was on the uh, Canelo Triple G undercard. You remember? He, yeah, I remember he took the decision from Randy Caballero, who was unbeaten. That was he looked really good in that fight. I was like, okay, maybe I care about him right now, but not yet. I. Yeah, I cared about him at the time. I did think he looked good. I'm just not going to look for this fight. What is he, like the first cousin of Oscar? Maybe he just made up a name. I don't know. Oh, how dare. I got two words for you if you've said that. This is what I got for Oscar. I got fish, scale. Hit me up on the low, Oscar on the deep. On the, Thank yeah, you. Come on. All right. Hey, remember that time? Remember that time that you and I went to cover um, Mayweather, Maidana, one or two? Two. two? And we were in the MGM Grand, and it was, like, very late on the Friday night before the fight, and we were S-housed. Can I say that on the air? I I was definitely S-housed. Okay, so, yeah, so, uh, you know, Billy Joe Saunders would love that reference. And um, I saw I saw uh, jo- Yoel De La Hoya Sr. sitting there at the Whiskey <laughs> Down Bar, and I and I was, you know, ish enough to, to think – because, you know, I blame him. He never told Oscar he loved him. He was always so hard on Oscar. And I blamed him for Oscar's career going down the tubes the second half, right? I'm not not necessarily bringing up fishnets. I'm talking more like, you know, drug abuse, alcoholism, never taking his career seriously. Like, you know, had the big Vargas win, but then lost all the other big fights in the second half of his career. I, in that moment, was was painted enough where I thought I could go up to Yoel and blame him and say, if only you would have just said you loved him once. We never would have had fishnets. We never would have had any of that crap. And Oscar could have – I mean, Oscar's still a Hall of Famer. He's still an all-timer. We're not saying that. But Oscar could have been something truly special. Rafe, what would have happened? You pulled me back. You said, what are you doing? Get your life together. You're going to go up to Joel Sr. and tell him this? Yeah, you were you that you were at a level of s faced that I don't see very often out of a responsible professional like you, uh, and yeah, that would have been a bad idea. It would not have ended well for you. He had he had some goons with him. He had they weren't goons; they were just dudes. But he had dudes with him, and if if he looked like he was gonna be mad at you, they might turn mad at you too, and they might be touching some B's and some C's and wow. sending you straight wow. to the H. Wow, if you know what I mean, and. We just redirected that that emotion, all that pent up stuff inside you that you needed to release, and we found 
Austin Trout in the same bar yes. and you were able to give him a big man hug and say, Austin, I believe I know you beat Canelo yes. that night. That what? was BS. 114-112. Yes, I know he beat him there even with the knockdown. Karen and I just hates had to that. stand there kind of pretending like, yeah, I, 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 I thought you did better in that fight than you got credit for. You kind of got job, but no, you didn't really win that. But I'll go to the grave. I still one. really like you a lot, Austin. I'll go to the grave with that one because I believe it. Hey, he won the first four rounds by jabbing to the body. People forget that. Just cause that one, ju- just cause that one judge was basically, uh, you know, put Canelo up eight nothing before they even hand to hand in the scorecard there. Texas forever. I mean, yeah, Texas forever. Like, just because of that. All right. Anyway, I didn't, Mark Kriegel though, what would he have thought of, of me doing that to Joel Sr.? He would call that your journalistic responsibility. Okay, that's get just... in there and twist that and twist that knife a little bit. See what happens. Get the emotions flowing. Wow, wow. Oh, fathers and sons, man. Wow. Hey, we just took sons. people inside. We just took people inside. You know, behind the curtain. Remember that time the that process. we. That's Remember what the... it means. It's, it's the process. Re- reportage, panache. Yeah. Well, no panache, but yeah. Do you remember that? Do you remember that time we drank with Oscar before uh, Triple G Canelo? That was a good night. Right? Oh, we'll tell yeah. that story oh. another time. We'll tell, right? We'll tell that story another time. Uh, do you care, Ray? Friday night, Rosemont, Illinois, on CBS Sportsnet, ten round light heavyweight bout. Subway's Mike Lee against Jose Hernandez. Do you care? Teddy Atlas, by the way, on the call with the great Barry Tompkins. Do you care? Ah, uh, now that you say Teddy and Barry Tompkins with some Vincent Ortiz love in yes, there, I yes. now I care. Before that, I did not care. Dude, this is nuts. Okay, okay. Hey, what is Mike Lee? Like, what is he really, Rafe? He's an unbeaten, I don't like, heavyweight. He, I don't consider him a professional boxer. I wow. just don't. Wow. I don't know what he does. Well, uh, Bernie Barmasel, you're going to have an e- email saying, Rafa, what are you doing right now? What are you doing right now? You're going to have that email. Come on, come on. Wow. I've never seen a guy fight. I, I wouldn't even know who he was if people weren't mad at him for being in a Subway commercial. I thought he was an actor. All right, all right. Let me ask you one more fight card to see if you, in fact, care. This isn't Friday. This is Sunday. Are you Where are you going to be on Sunday? Are you anywhere near Lancaster, California on Sunday? I could get up there. Yeah, I'm only an hour, hour and a half away. There's a bootleg PBC card on FS1. Did you know that? It's a heavyweight doubleheader. This is a televised show. I'm sure Ray Flores, our guy, is going to be there. Rafe, the main event, washed heavyweight Travis Kaufman against Scott Alexander. And in the co-main, Gerald Washington against Wes No Fire. No fire on that guy. What the what what the hell are we slow building toward Travis Kaufman against Gerald What is going on here, PBC? I don't know. I actually I I drove up to Lancaster for a PBC show late last year. It was the one where you want to see Ivan Redcotch and yes. John Molina had the sloppy, crazy three-round fight of the year out of nowhere. And then I left in the middle of a really boring Jesse Vargas comeback fight. Yes, extra sloppy on that one. Wow. Yes, yes. Um, what are they doing? Should we? We, we can't. We can't give any more time to this, these these two fights, right? But what are they doing, Rafe? You know, their contracts need to be fulfilled. Guys are owed dates. Guys need to fight. And this is going to be a fight. What now? Is that Bounce TV? That's FS1. Okay. It whatever. might be streaming you on know, the Brown Shooter app, too. I'm not really sure. But will we hear this sound bite? It'll, good chance we might hear this. You shouldn't be by man with titties. Come on, man. You got him. Yeah, we might hear that in the corner of at least four of these guys, right? Well, I think uh, Gerald Washington comes looking pretty cut. He's always in shape. He's the, the other USC four... football player, yes. Yes. Uh, the other four, he's, you know, he's the one who, of course, succumbed to Deontay Wilder's amazing windmill finishing flurry that has been gift a million times. Uh, 
The gift um, that keeps on giving. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, but other than him, I think all of them may hear that. Well, he, he will hear it. His opponent won't hear it. So the guy in the co-main is John Wesley No Fire. He's 20 and 1 with 16 KOs. He's from Oklahoma. He's 32 years old. And his only loss is he got sent to hell by Joey Abel. Another Oh, uh, No Fire. Is he Oh, he beat Ty from Cobb. the same sort of Native American I, I guess I, I shouldn't assume anything because of the name No Fire, but I I'm I'm getting Might Oklahoma be. flashbacks to George Tapa Dunida. Yeah, and, wow. Uh, no. Getting sent to hell by Delvin Rodriguez. Is he six, We're going six? deep, baby, deep. Wow, that guy got sent to the, to past the point of no return in hell. Uh this guy looks like a better looking Tommy Morrison. He beat Ty Cobb in twenty fourteen and um uh DJ Hewley of the of the Hewleys uh, uh sitcom. That's um yeah. Hey, why are we here? Why am I talking about this? Rafe, let's get on to the boxing that matters this weekend. And there are a few cards that do. And we're going to start off with the ESPN Plus welterweight title showdown, 9.30 p.m. on Saturday, when Jeff Hahn faces Terrence Crawford in Las Vegas. Rafe, we are going to start off with Bud himself, Terrence Crawford. Let's hear what he has to say. Enjoy. I'm so excited for this fight, as I'm sure you are. We had a delay in getting there, but how are you feeling entering this one? I'm feeling great, man. Uh, my hand is feeling better. You know, physically, I'm feeling really strong. I'm just ready to go out there and uh, So, Terrence, not a lot of fighters have tested you when it comes to trash talking. And Horns Camp, man, I didn't think they would run their mouth like they have, but... I mean, his promoter, his trainer, they're calling you soft over the hand injury. They're calling you a princess. What was your reaction when you heard all this? I just laughed. It wasn't, it wasn't nothing to get under my skin, I think you say. Really. You know, I just look at it as, you know, they want me to go out there and fight reckless and, you know, that's not going to happen. You know, there, his promoter specifically said, you know, bang it up with cortisone, the hand, and let's just get this fight going. Uh, were you insulted that they made the in- insinuation that this wasn't a real injury? No, I don't care what they what they think or what they say. You know, it's not them. You know, uh, my my health is the number one appointment to my career, so I'm not going to jeopardize anything. Uh, for my career just for one fight that I can push back. True, true. You know, Horn has this, you know, I, I guess uplifting story that he went from, you know, unknown school teacher to, to beating Manny Pacquiao. So it's, it's a great story, but how good is he in your eyes? I mean, is this just a 15 minutes of fame situation or do you think Jeff Horn is a viable welterweight contender who will be around for a while? Oh, he's a viable welterweight. No, uh, question. You know, like I said, uh, he does a lot of things that a lot of people don't see him in, and that's, you know what I mean, helping him get to where he is right now. And uh, he has some skills. I'm going to discredit him and say that he doesn't, but at the same time, I just felt like my boxing IQ and my fighting ability is going to hold Level. What was your score when Jeff Horn faced Manny Pacquiao? Who did you think won that fight? I didn't score. I didn't score. You know, um, you easily could have gave it to both both guys. 
you know, Jeff was winning a lot of them rounds that uh, a lot of people uh, may may have thought he wasn't being he was. But, you know, then again, Pacquiao was being Pacquiao. He was landing his shots as well, but, you know, he got the victory, and now we all need to, to me and him. You know, I guess people look at that fight and they're trying to make sense of it because they're trying to figure out who Jeff Horn is. So from your point of view, was that Pacquiao facing a hungry guy with a tough style or was that Horn facing an old Pacquiao? Oh, man. Uh, Horn made it tough in there. He was the biggest, stronger fighter. You know, he kind of bullied Pacquiao into uh, fighting an ugly, dirty fight that he really didn't want to fight. So, you know, it made for an ugly fight. It made, uh, it played in Jeff Horn's favor. You know, he, he went out there, he, uh, cut Pacquiao on, on the head and the eye, the head buttons. He was elbowing in there. He was, he was roughhousing Pacquiao. And I believe that's what they intended to do from the jump. True, true. You know, there's not as many ways for Horn to win this fight as you. That's why you're the favorite. That's why this makes a lot of sense. How can he beat you if he doesn't get you into a brawl? Is it is this the only way? No, I don't think it's no way. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't see myself losing this fight at all. You know, I read some reports from the Australian papers that Horn's wife is nervous if you wear the horsehair gloves. What's this all about? I just think it's a tactic that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the type of gloves that I've been wearing that she doesn't want to wear or whatever the case may be. I don't know. I, I haven't really paid any attention to it because it really didn't matter. You know, uh, they're wearing the same gloves as us, so, hey, it doesn't matter. It was it's the first time that we had an opponent or anybody complain about the gloves that we I mean, the only time I think I've heard that was Floyd and Madonna. What's what's the difference here in the horsehair gloves? What kind of advantage is there? I don't know any difference. To tell you the truth, it doesn't matter what what, what type of gloves we use. Only thing that matters is who wins the fight. If, if, if you're concerned about the gloves, don't get hit. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Hey, Terrence, we've been waiting, and I'm sure you have too, right, to get the big names, to show everybody how great you are. You get a ton of pound-for-pound pound respect, and it's rightfully so, but we want to see you against the big movers and shakers. I thought by this point you would have fought Manny Pacquiao already. It made all the sense in the world to me. Why haven't you yet? It's not something that you can ask me because that's a fight that we've been asking for, and for some reason we didn't get it, so we moved on. You know, um, like I said, back back then, I'm young, you know, I'm hungry, my career is going on, Manny Pacquiao at the end of his career, and he's only got a couple of more fights left in him, and he deserves to go out however you want to go out, being that he didn't fought every and anybody there was to fight when he was fighting the top contenders. Well, let me ask it like this, Manny became a pay-per-view star by beating 
the older names that were around, right? Like he, pa- Oscar passed the torch to Manny when Manny stopped him. And that's sort of what happens in the pay-per-view game, right? The aging fighter with the big name takes on the younger fighter. If the younger fighter wins, he gets the rub. He gets the fans. He gets the money, the notoriety. Do you think Pacquiao owes the sport or you that opportunity? Man, to tell you the truth, he don't owe nobody nothing. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't pay his dues. So, in my eyes, he done did everything he was supposed to do that he could do in the sport of boxing. So, for somebody to say that he owed boxing anything, it's, it's absurd. He don't owe boxing nothing. Cause boxing, boxing not gonna give you anything but a brain damage afterwards. So, it really doesn't matter. Very fair. Very fair comments there. You know, this fight will be on ESPN Plus, the new app, of course, that ESPN's really pushing for fight fans. They just signed the UFC. It's a big deal for them. For you, is there a difference between fighting on ESPN, where maybe casual fans can find you, or fighting on this app where people have to go out of their way? Does it matter to you? It doesn't matter, you know. uh, I believe that ESPN believe in me and putting me on this app that is going to be bigger than what people expect it to be. And so, you know, I'm just happy to be the second person to try it out, being that Miracon was the first one, you know, and it's going to be something special in the days to come. We've seen some some truly special performances out of you so far. You know, sometimes we only get to see brief glimpses because the guys can't take your heat. What's the fight that you think best showcases what you can do? You said what? Which fight so far in your career do you think best showcases the complete package of what you can do in the ring? I don't I don't believe that I really had to bring out every and everything that that's in my arsenal out in one fight. Yeah. So we have to we have to see. Is it what what's it gonna take for that to come out? But I think Huh? How does that come out of you? What's it going to take for us to see everything that you have? It's just it's the type of fighters, you know. You have you have certain fighters that bring out the best in, in other fighters. You know the uh, the level of competition, the intensity, everything plays a big factor in bringing the best out of out of a fighter. You you can bring the best out of each other. You know, if you're on that type of level. Terrence, if you win this, you win. You're a player at welterweight. You're right in the mix. You'll have a belt. Everyone will say, "Then, okay, now we want to see him against Thurman. Now we want to see him against Spence. Right? Now we want to find out is he the best fighter in the world? How do you make those fights against the PBC guys? Now I know you don't promote your own fights. I know you have a team, but can you knock on that door and say, "Guys, I need to fight these guys. I need to prove this." Well, yeah, of course. You know. Uh... That'll happen in, in the future, but again, right now I'm not focused on anybody in the welterweight division but Jeff Horn. You know, that's my main focus, and that's the, the guy that, that, that I'm after. He's the one that I'm fighting. He's the one that got the belt. So that's the, the fight that I'm more focused on other than a PBC fighter. Do you get caught up ever, Terrence, in the pound-for-pound pound debate? Because, you know... I got you at number two in the world. I think there's arguments for you at one without a question. Do you care? Do you check out where people have your rank? Does that matter to you? Well, then again, it matters, but then again, it doesn't because it's just an opinion. 
you know, people base their opinion off of a fighter that they may like the most or they favor a fighter or they like that fighter's style or, you know, uh, what and whatnot. But facts don't lie. You know, when you look at the hardcore facts, you know, I do, I do believe that I'm number one. You know, a lot of people can say, oh, well, he haven't fought nobody and he haven't fought nobody in the pound for pound uh, list or, or whatever the case may be. But I didn't fought people that a lot of people thought that was going to beat me. I didn't fought people that they thought that was too big. I didn't fought people that they thought was too strong. You know, I unified a whole division that wasn't, that I didn't get any credit for it really, basically. You know, and I just look at it like, you know, a lot of people, they'll go on the bias road because of a fighter that they like more than another fighter. I can see where you say that. Now, it's rare in boxing when you have two fighters that are considered the two best and they have a chance to face each other, right? Like Manny and Floyd did that. Ward and Kovalev kind of did that. You and Lomachenko are not too far apart in weight. Do you think that's something that you would could see down the road happening? We actually are far apart in weight. Uh, if you look at it, you know, uh, he just got the 135. I'm going to 147. That's a big jump from 35 to 47. Um, that's two weight classes. I wouldn't be going down. And I'm pretty sure he wouldn't be coming up two weight classes. So it's just so, a uh, just a pipe dream at this point for for fans and media, right? Facts. Do you what kind of respect do you have for what he's doing? I mean, do you think that he's hitting the limit on how high he should rise in weight? No, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I I really can't say. You know, um, he's got tremendous talent. You know, he's doing everything he's supposed to do with the guys that he's fighting and he's putting on a tremendous show. You know, um his last fight he he got dropped, but he got up like a true champion and finished the fight strong and got a stoppage. So who knows what uh what the future holds for Lomachenko, you know, uh I like watching him, you know, uh but who knows? So, Terrence, you got this opportunity here against Horn. You're climbing the ladder in terms of stardom. I feel like every time out, people are noticing you more. You've got this old-school vibe to you. You're, you're not really out there looking to trash talk guys. You're not out there looking to be flashy. You, you handle your business. Where, where does that sort of old-school values come from for you? I don't know. Maybe it's the way I was brought up. Uh, they don't do too much talking. You know, the ones that talk a lot, they're hitting the mouth. <laughs> I'm about, you know, showing, showing what I can do instead of telling you what I can do. So the people that always run their mouth, you know, they always end up short in the long run. I love it. I love it. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Great. Some great quotes out of you, bud. It's great talking to you, man. Best of luck against Jeff Horn. Big, big things in your, in your future. I love watching you out there, man. All right. Thanks. I gotta give Bud this, alright? I've been interviewing Bud for a long time. Never been a good interview. Starting to come around though. Starting to, uh, to drop a little hot fire once in a while when he's not happy about things. I mean, come on. He, 
look, I, I kind of set him up there to, to maybe, you know, take a little whiz on Manny. And he's like, Manny don't know anybody anything, all right? This sport going to give you brain damage. Manny don't know. By the way, he's wrong. Manny, you owe us the passing of the torch fight with Bud. I didn't interrupt him and tell him that, but I believe it, all right? Your thoughts? I actually, I lo- I really like this interview. I love the way that Bud was, every point he made, I'm like, yeah, man, he's absolutely right. And he is absolutely right. Manny does not owe anybody a goddamn thing, nor does anybody else. And, and that's, that's torch, the pin what is he pass? What is he passing at this point? He's passing like a, like a little Mac flashlight. He's passing like the, the little thing on your keychain wow. that you squeeze and a little I'll tiny red light comes out. That torch ain't nothing right now. Um, and if anything, he can pass it to Lomachenko because the weights match up a little better it there's you can make some kind of crazy half-assed argument that the fight could be competitive that doesn't apply with terrence crawford it hasn't applied really since they started talking about that fight a year two years ago just doesn't make sense manny don't owe anybody anything would manny have except his constituents and well i don't know about that either I don't know how he's doing. Woody Manuel have taken this fight already if there was money, like legit money, like crossover pay-per-view money in it. Sure. If there was crossover pay-per-view money in it, I believe that the fight would have been makeable. But not crossover pay-per-view. Pacquiao-Bradley won type of money, right? Like decent pay-per-view. Well, Manny has has – he has minimums or he has had minimums. He almost won't get into the ring for less – you know, he's touching 10 M's, 15 M's, no, you know, regardless. So – on one level, it doesn't matter who the opponent is, although it becomes a problem when top rank or whoever's promoting it, MP promotions, uh, feels yes. like we can't get our money's worth out of this fight because Manny's going to take pretty much everything it spins off for himself and we're left, you know, holding the bag. Wow. And you know what happens if you hold the bag for too long? You get a mess. All right. You said Manny needs to touch like 10 M's to get in there, but true, true or false? Manny has not been fun to watch since the days when he was touching T's and A's, if you, if you know, if you, if you, if you know what I'm saying. The, I don't know anything about those, those rumors. I, I have seen some photos of Manny at the club looking a little <laughs> horny. Uh, but yo, no, he has always, he's still been fun to watch or he hasn't been bad to watch. He hasn't been the same fighter. He hasn't been as explosive, as aggressive, as crazy. And, and the only thing that can sort of bring that out of him is getting hurt, right? We saw that against Marquez the fourth time. All of a sudden he, he will come back at you like a wild, you know, like old man. He does not give a F and he is going to try and knock you out. If you and actually he he showed a little bit of that against Horn he didn't yes, have he did. I don't think he was in good enough shape to sustain it but in that ninth round he really was just chasing Horn around trying to like knock his head off and it was fun it was fun to see just that aggressive that aggression that look on his face like I want to this guy um he's got that in him and and that's what I do like about this Matisse fight if it happens in July Matisse is going to bring that out of them these guys yeah. are going to oh, have yeah. that kind of war. It's kind of ugly when you think of how old and beat up they both are. But, shoot, they're going to get paid well, and it could be the kind of great – I hope it leads to that kind of great back-and-forth action where we're like, wow, these guys are legends. I cannot believe what they give to us. Wow, that would be, that'd be pretty nice. All right, back to Bud. So I love when the North Omaha comes out of Bud, and it came out when I tried to like be like, hey, dude, these guys are calling you a, a soft – 
cock. These guys are calling you a princess, bro. And he's just like, no. And he's smart. He's like, look, they're trying to get me into a brawl. That's the only way Horn's going to compete. And then he was basically like where I come from. I thought he was going to say snitches get stitches, but he ba- instead dropped the, uh, you know, you do a lot of talking, you get punched in the mouth. So he's exactly where he needs to be. He's cool, calm, and controlled. The only thing that's, I guess, a minor controversy is this whole horsehair glove thing, right? If I don't know if you've been following this. It reminds us of Floyd Maidana 1, right, where Maidana was all set to wear the horsehair Mexican punching gloves. At the last minute, Floyd goes, no, you ain't wearing those, bro, and then reportedly had to settle for something like $2.75 million behind the scenes. That's probably why Maidana's so fat right now, right? Probably because of the damn horsehair gloves. And it's Joe Horn, right? You're Manny Pacquiao. You do not need to be getting knocked out and put to sleep by Joe Horn. It's Joe Horn who's apparently came out and was like, Terrence thinks he's going to wear the horsehair gloves? No, not against my man, not against my husband. And how she explained it, and Bud didn't really, Bud kind of played coy. Bud gave me kind of a weak answer. Like, horsehair gloves, I don't, I don't know why people don't like them. She says, on a horsehair glove, the padding can be moved around. So you can actually move it off of your knuckles which is why it's a puncher's glove, why you can hit harder. Rafe, I know you don't wear horsehair gloves. You can't give – you're having a good hair day, by the way. I didn't give you that credit. You kind of look like a prime Val Kilmer off the Real Genius set right now. But I will say that um, you, you buy anything in this because Bud was just like, whatever, dude. I'll fight him. And he's like, you know, if, if, you're, worrying, if you're worrying about horsehair gloves, don't get hit. That was, that was his comment in the end, you know? Not just that, but these are legal gloves. These are not – This it's not like some – some homemade weapon that Terrence Crawford and other boxers are coming into the ring with that they stuff a couple strands of horse hair into a sack and put their fist in there. These are Everlast MX gloves. They're legal in pretty much every U.S. commission. Is that right? Yeah, I thought you were. I, I've never heard of them being banned in any state that, that regularly Floyd. does boxing. Floyd said Connor couldn't wear the horse hair either. Look, but Floyd did not say that – Floyd – dictates his own terms because he's Floyd. He he didn't say, you can't wear them, it's not fair. He said, I ain't fighting you if you wear these. So do you want this money or not? And eventually everyone says, yeah, I do want this money. And so you that's how he gets that. Jeff Horn doesn't have that kind of pull. I, I look, if he can do that someday, great for him. But he can't dictate terms. He's not, he's, he's the champ in this. He's not the real A-side. He's not the favorite. He's not going to win in all likelihood wow uh, you're a and, you're a hater you're a doubter you're doubting the horn right now i'm i'm not look i'm not a hater i'm just being this is realistic that horn could have stayed you bro we that don't give anybody else you. a good chance hardly any other fighters in the sport we think are going to be able to beat terrence crawford jeff horn is going to get yeah, out of killer but a killer i'm just fooling around with you but but so so the idea that this is a controversy it's not a controversy cleto reyes gloves are horse hair as well or as There's, manny would call him clitoris clitoris yes yes I, oh yeah my glove i use the glove of clitoris yes that that the glove of clitoris is a dangerous glove too for many reasons you know you, you just want to go back and forth not up and down it's up to you whatever you want um uh, what is wrong with us um <laughs> Brian, uh, this is not a controversy. They're legal gloves. He has, if you don't want to get hit with boxing gloves, don't be a boxer. Um, wow. Look, you and, sound like Bud Crawford right now. You sound like you're true. from North this Omaha, is crazy. bro. It not, is absolutely not yes, it is a dangerous sport. Nobody make him do this, though. Um, it's not a controversy. Okay, it's well, let's move on then. But finally, to, to close on Bud, he says, uh, 
He thinks he's the pound for pound king. He thinks other people have biases. That's fine. I respect that. He's like, what? He's no worse than number two. But he says, no, I'm I'm never going to fight Lomachenko, bro. We're not going to see a a pound for pound showdown. He goes, I'm never going down and wait. And he doesn't think Loma ever comes up that high. I agree with him. I don't think Loma ever goes to 47 unless it's to chase a real washed Manny. And, um, yeah, I don't think we'll see that. And I don't think we should because Bud will win that fight at any weight all day. That's what I have to say about that. Do you think that Bud Crawford is playing some chess here, that he's that he's almost negging Lomachenko and saying, look, this guy, this little guy, let's be real. He is never coming up to weight category 147. Well, I mean. And I, it's going to make Lomachenko want it even more because we do know that Lomachenko, like Jeff Horn, the guy has balls. <laughs> and he wants he really he does want that glory. I mean, he's wanted it but from the, thing the first is, though, fight. Like, where? See, Bud just came back from one forty. So Bud maybe was a little hard on the. I'm not going down and wait, dude. You just weighed one forty last year, right? What if? But that Bud would probably have to come down to like thirty eight to make that fight, right? And at this point, he's like, "Why am I going to compromise myself when I could be the king of clean up the one forty seven division?" He could be that guy who does that. Why does he need this? Why does he? I mean, maybe to touch M's, but he's when you get to welterweight, all you do is touch M's. If you could cross that street to the PBC side. Yeah, the one thing I mean, we we have and we should and Lomachenko deserves credit for this. He is a guy who will do dumb stuff because he want he's chasing that gold ring, yes. that that legendary status. He will put himself at a disadvantage, whether it's you know fighting a overweight Orlando Salido <laughs> in your second fight, letting him punch him in the balls seventy five times, and somehow and and somehow being the one coming on stronger in the twelfth round before losing that decision. I mean, Lomachenko is will take crazy risks. So I think if it does that fight, if we ever do see that fight, it will probably be Lomachenko taking the crazier risk. You're probably right. You're probably right. All right, let's focus on this fight. And before, whoa, wow, drop what? Dropping stuff over there. Rafe, just a load. Wow, wow. That... I was thinking about Crawford Lomachenko. What do you want me to do? We got this. This might be the last episode of In This Corner. We might have to call <laughs> We're it. We're uh, done. We might have to call it a load watch next week. Uh, wow. Hey, Rafe. Uh, let's hear from Jeff Horn before we get too deep into this fight. All right, from the from the Hornet himself. Why don't you enjoy it? Enjoy. Hey. Well, I'm hearing you got to Las Vegas, but the accommodations weren't welcoming. I'm hearing a hot gym. Tell us what's going on here. <laughs> oh, it was just the, it was just a bit of a, I don't know, if it's just a hot day or, or what. But in that gym, it was just a bit of like a sauna that first day, and the second day we opened up a bit. It was wasn't too bad, but yeah. Long flight, but you're ready for action, of course. Saturday, June 2nd, Las Vegas, ESPN Plus, the the big leagues here against Terrence Crawford. And, Jeff, I want to start right here. How this fight has been building. lot of trash talk from Team Horn from down under. Now, Terrence told me, yeah. I don't listen to it. I don't care. But you guys calling him uh, calling him a, a princess? What, what's going on here? <laughs> um, well, that was from uh, my trainer, Glenn Rushton. He... Um... We just thought it was a bit soft of him. I think we didn't really believe that there was a hand injury um, at the time because there was no evidence shown from those guys about it. And um, he just said that he was being a bit of a princess about it. What do you think the motive is if there if it wasn't a real injury? I, I just think, I don't know if it was just him needing more time, thought he might have needed to put on more weight or maybe he'd blown out a bit too much from having a break um, from the light welters and thought he needed to get into better shape. Um, 
that could have been the reason, or it could have just been promotion-wise. Uh, they needed more time to get the, to sell the fight. Now, he says it's just your attempt to get him mad, to get him into a brawl, because he thinks that's the only way you can compete in this fight. And I'm curious, do you think mentally he can be broken that way? Um, in, a, in a brawl? Yes. Yeah, I think he can. He definitely has. Look, everyone's got a weakness, and I think if anyone is going to, to brawl and, and stick on someone's chest, I think that, that is a weakness of his that um, he might not like because he's such a good boxer. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, look, he's one of the top pound-for-pound pound best in the world, if not the best. This is a, a tough task for anyone. What? Where is your confidence coming from that not just beating Manny Pacquiao, this is a fighter that's in his prime even better. How do you deal with this level of speed, length, power, the full package? Look, it's just an inner belief in myself, and um, I, I don't know. I, I I just believe I can I can win, and um, so I back my ability, which is um, what Glenn's taught me ever since day one, uh, to back myself and to dream big in in, in the world and aim high, and, and you'll only miss by a little bit. So um, right now we're aiming for the stars, and that's obviously becoming the best welterweight out there, and that's the goal. Do you feel that you get the respect that you deserve in the boxing world following the year that's followed since the Pacquiao fight? Uh, probably not, not as much as I should have, but um, look, I'm still uh, young in everyone's eyes and I haven't probably had as many fights under the, the lights as a few others have had in the American public, so I just need to have a few more and they might um, start respecting what I can do. Well, there's definitely something unique about you. There's something that allows you to elevate yourself and put on these performances. If it is your style, the herky-jerky nature, talk to me about how you and Glenn were able to to, to really breathe that and really get it to where it is now. Look, um, the type of style we've adapted is, is, is thanks to Glenn. He always believes in um, that style that you can't really know what anyone's going to do, even if you study them hours and hours on end, you never... Like, cause I don't even know what I'm going to do in there sometimes. It's just I just adapt to the situation and whatever holes I see or whatever weaknesses I see, I'll, I'll go after. Was there a point against Pacquiao where you just got the feeling that he could not figure out your tendencies, your rhythm? Uh, yes, I, I thought that he was struggling to to know what I was doing and um, because I was, I was bigger than him and I was moving a lot more than he thought I was going to. He was a bit shocked and... I couldn't guess what, I'm, what I was going to do next. Now, Jeff, I was able to watch the documentary that, that Australian TV did on you, and it, and it paints this great underdog story, this Rocky, this former school teacher, like, you know, this, this guy next door, yet you don't fight like a guy next door. So how do you turn <laughs> into that animal? Where, where, what are you pulling from to be able to fight that ferociously? Well, I guess it's just from childhood dreams. I've, I've always... I guess I was bullied as a little kid, um, and I was always just believed in myself. And um, I don't know. Ever since uh, going to the boxing gym, I just thought, you know what? Like I can do this, and I'm growing my confidence over a long time. And um, I believe I can take these guys on. And when I step through those ropes, it's when I switch on and I turn into the Hornet. And I'm not Jeff Hort, just Jeff Horn anymore. And I, I can, I can fight. Now, I know Glenn has been a big part in that in, in terms of helping you build that confidence, but, you know, that couldn't be all him. I mean, you had to have that from the beginning. So did you just always think 
you know, hey, I'm the school teacher, but anything's possible. I could get to that level. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, you've definitely helped me grow, grow that confidence, but I've always felt deep down ever since I was even just a, a little kid, had the dreams of becoming a professional sports person. I just never knew in what sport it was going to be. I always thought soccer because I played that for 12 years and, um, boxing seems to be the, the thing that I'm, I'm the best at. How much has the the adaption of certain you know martial arts principles from Glenn's teaching helped you to sort of be unique in your own way in there in the boxing ring? Well, I think just knowing um, the martial arts background, starting in in martial arts, uh, just gives you kind of uh, that knowledge of of how to um, move, I guess, and take take people differently using different angles and just surprising people. Do you ever have these moments? where you pinch yourself, Jeff, because, I mean, you beat Manny Pacquiao. Now you're fighting Terrence Crawford. I mean, this is, like, yes, you have the confidence you knew you could get here one day, but you're Jeff Horn from Australia going to Las Vegas fighting arguably the best fighter in the world. Do you ever have to reset that confidence and pinch yourself and be like, wow, what am I doing here? Yeah, I do. I do have to pinch myself a lot about it because only a year ago I was pretty much unknown in the in the boxing world overseas and, and now I guess I am, and um, that's all thanks to that, that massive fight I had with Pacquiao. I had my career-winning performance, and um, I've defended the belt since. But now I'm taking on another massive name that I'll gain a heap of respect for if I, if I manage to pull off the upset again. Now, how does Terence Crawford do what he what he does in there? What, what what are his strengths that jump out at you? Look, he's a very good counterfighter. He's just he he can switch it, as you know, and. He just does everything so smoothly, and he's he's calm under pressure. But um, look, there's definitely holes in his game, and we plan on exploiting them. It's interesting, is we don't see a lot of people test him, and I mean not just in the ring, but you know, trash talking and and really trying to break him. And some people, when they saw the initial comments from Glenn or from Dean, they're like, "Whoa, Hornet, don't don't poke the bear. You don't want to see that nasty side of Terrence Crawford." But you're not afraid of that, Jeff. It seems. No, I'm not. I'm, um, look, it, it's going to be a fight in there. He can bring his, his very best, his A game, and I, I, I hope he does bring it. And that's how I want to beat him. I don't want people um, saying again once I beat Ter- Terence Crawford that oh, he was didn't have a good fight. He, he he was off his game this night. He was sick or whatever. Whatever excuses they're gonna they're gonna come up with. I don't want another Manny Pacquiao story. Yeah, yeah, certainly, and and you caught a lot of flack from that. Yet that was a fight, like I said from the beginning. I thought that was a, a draw, if not a victory, for you. You you did what you had to do in that fight. How has your life changed? What's the most dramatic change in your day to day life since that Pacquiao fight? Yeah, thanks for that. Um, I guess the most is just the recognition from from the public. Um, some most of it all good, especially in Australia, it's mostly all good. But um, I get a lot of. Um, comments on Facebook and things like that that uh, a lot of it's negative and uh, people just I don't know, putting me down for some reason or another that they don't think I deserve to win but um, otherwise it's just yeah uh, getting in- invitations to things I would have never ever been invited to in the past. I mean is there a way to kind of for us in the States to understand what you're doing and what it means to the Australian fans? Another game, sorry? I mean, is there a way that you can sort of 
explain exactly how big this is, what you're doing, you know, beating Pacquiao, going into a fight against Crawford, what that means to the Australian fans when Australian boxing hasn't had this long history compared to some other countries? No, look, we, um, we tend to have a bad reputation over, over there. Um, in the past, I guess in the, a while ago, we, we had a good reputation, but just in recent years, um, a lot of us have been losing and coming over to America and not doing any good. But look, I want to change that in Australia. And I think it, it started changing the perspective of boxing. And, um, I just want to keep, keep doing more for the sport and, I guess, more for myself, more for the family, and, um, yeah. Now, Jeff, I love that moment in the documentary when your wife's talking about you came home and said, you know, look, I might get a chance to fight Manny Pacquiao, and she was like, ha, 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 yeah, right, Jeffrey, keep dreaming. I love that because it's like this turning point moment where you're like, you even have to convince her. Have you convinced her to the level now that whether it's Crawford, Floyd Mayweather, anybody, Jeff Horn could, could get to that top level? Yes, I think I have. I, I definitely surprised her back in the days when I said I'd, I'd be fighting these type of guys and um, in the amateurs as well. But um, the professional ranks is definitely the big time. And um, yeah, I think she she believes in it now, and she can see everything I've done in the past, a lot of tough fights that I've had, and um, I just keep telling her and keep reassuring her, I can do this. Don't worry. And congratulations on the birth of your first child. That was, that was uh, fantastic to Thank see. You. And, Jeff, as you enter into this another big stage, ESPN, big deal in the States, what do you, wanna, what do you want American fans to know about you? What, what do you hope from your performances that they learn about you? Look, I hope they just learn that I'm a tough fighter. Um, I'm an extreme, extremely high competitor, and I deserve uh, what I've got so far, and I can take on the best out there. Now, one little thing I wanted to ask you about is I read some controversy about the horsehair gloves. Crawford told me, I don't want to talk about it. I don't care about it. I'll fight you in any gloves, right? I'll fight you bare knuckle, whatever you want to do. Are we going to see horsehair gloves in this? Does this matter to you? Um, look, oh, it's it's probably a preference. It's definitely the wife's preference not to fight in the, the horsehair gloves. Um, at the end of the day, it's not really going to matter. Um, punch is a punch, and if you land the right one, the guy's going down no matter what, so... Um, look, so that's a preference for her. I'll say, no, we won't, we won't fight in the horsehair gloves, but if it comes down to it and, um, he's wearing it, I'll be wearing them as well. I mean, is it, is, what's the advantage there? A harder glove? Is that how it breaks down to? Yeah, it is. They're just harder gloves. They're, they're less, there's less padding at the front of them, so there's more, um, hard impact when you're punching. Alright, Jeff. You win the, let's say you win this fight. I mean, is this a is this an ultimate how you like me now moment? Uh, do you think about what you'll say on that microphone afterwards? I mean, I know you are a thinker, somebody who is mentally strong. You have imagined that moment. How excited are you to sort of just prove everybody wrong yet again? <laughs> Look, I'm obviously not going to be. I wouldn't be over the top. Definitely for sure. I wouldn't say I told you so. But um, look, I'll be extremely happy and, and proud of what I've done. Um, I managed to do that, but I, I definitely won't be rubbing it in people's faces that um, told you you should have believed it and this and that. All right. Well, we want to see how this fight plays out. Great to talk to you again, Jeff Horn. You, you, you make fun fights. You're, you're a smart, honest guy. You put it out there. The Hornet's coming. Hey, bud, the Hornet's coming. He's going <laughs> to sting. Excited to see the fight. Thanks so much, Jeff. Thanks, Brian. 
All right, Rafe, I got to put it out like this. All right. I laughed at Manny fighting Jeff Horn originally, even though I scored the fight a draw, and I'm one of the rare who believe that Horn has a case to have won that fight. I still, up to the point that I talked to Jeff Horn, was like, really, you're going to fight Bud Crawford? You're going to fight this killer? You're like, you're going to ruin your 15 minutes of fame right now against... But after hearing him talk, and I know like he's charming, he doesn't go that deep on his answers... But he makes you believe, he makes you want to believe that the Hornet is for real. He makes you want to believe that even though on a skill standpoint, he cannot match up with Terrence Crawford, that that style is so weird mixed with just that like school teacher heart that he has a chance to be in this fight. Can I believe just from being charmed by good old Jeff Horn there? Well, I, I do think that Jeff Horn is mentally very strong. He's got this this sort of veil of, of invincibility, or at least he's talked himself into it with the help of Glenn Rushton, the crazy <laughs> trainer who's feeding him, who's really done a great job of building him up into a fighter who believes in himself at the level that he doesn't, he will face Manny Pacquiao and be hurt in that fight and be outclassed at certain points and still be, keep coming and fighting his fight and give himself a chance to win. And lo and behold, boom, somehow the judges give him that fight. So he does, I don't, think he's uh, he's going to just give up or he's going to become discouraged i think that you can count on him to come in there and fight with those bob Aram balls um but but terrence crawford is not just one of the best fighters in the world in terms of skill and everything that guy is cool smart calculating in the ring and like and he already sort of tipped this off. Bud tipped this off to you in the interview. Just a tip, though, if, just for a second. Just just a little bit. He didn't want to give it all because we still have a fight on Saturday. Um, he he t- he he suggested if he needs to, we could see the Terrence Crawford who basically shut out Victor Postol, which was not a terribly aggressive. You know, he basically got on his bike. He made Postol initiate, and any time that Postol made a mistake, he cracked him, hurt him. And made, and that made Postol go into a shell. So if, if Crawford feels like he can't just put it on Horn and, and, and dominate him and get him out of there, like, like he's done to a lot of slower opponents, um, that I think Horn is also, uh, if he can't do, if he feels like that isn't the best strategy once he gets in there with him, then, I bet we will see him just move and outbox him and and just take it that way. It's, he has yeah, so many ways thing. to win this fight, and he's going to choose the one that works. You know, I always go back to Bud's HBO debut 2013 when he moved up to 140 for that one fight against Brightus Prescott, and he just boringly jabbed from the outside. Same thing when he fought Sanabria, I think the guy's name was, shortly after on HBO. He gave and you, Klimov. <laughs> yes. He, and, yeah, he gave you two or three fights there that were not – the bud against Gamboa. They were not the killer. They were the guy that if he has to, can switch southpaw and jab you to death. If Horn tries to get dirty, even if Horn has a little success early with this weird, frantic martial arts Seagal style, you have to believe Crawford's going to control distance and get on his bike and eventually wear him down and just uh, it's such a long road for, I have to say though, after hearing and talking to Horn, I want to believe because he's so brainwashed, he's so damn confident but man, dude, you're facing Bud. You're facing a killer. But I did ask him to explain, you know, the greatest soundbite we have on the soundboard right now, which is the great Joanna Horn talking about, you know, when she found out that he was going to fight Manny. <laughs> yeah, right, Jeffrey. Like, I don't think so. But anyway, it's good to dream, you know. And, you know, hard-hitting investigative journalist. I had, I had to say, look, is Joe a believer now? And he says, yeah, yeah, she is. I may have heard a little something in his tone. 
Because I can't believe that Joe thinks, unless she just doesn't follow boxing. Could Joe think that this guy could do this against Bud? I know Glenn Rushton thinks it. I mean, look at his haircut. It's three decades behind. I know Jeff Horn has been brainwashed into thinking it. I know Dean Lonegren of Duco Events is probably talking about putting cortisone in some part of his body right now. But could Joe Horn, do you believe that Joe Horn could believe that her husband could, 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 you know, could, could do this to Bud? To Bud? Yeah, right, Brian. Yeah, yeah, that's it's good. nice to dream. It's that's well said. That's well said. Uh, so Rafe, how this fight? We kind of just teased the bag there on how this fight might end up looking. One thing I asked Jeff: Is there anything you see about Bud that says he could be broken? Now Jeff Horn said, "You know, hey, I, I see holes, I see weaknesses, but that's not going to really matter because he's so skilled in my mind. You have to be able to break him in some form, whether it's mentally, physically on a cut. Is there anything in Hor- in Crawford that says maybe Horn can, if he fights dirty, if he trash talks, if he does anything, could break him? Because if the answer is no, then this fight's over, Rafe." You would have to believe that coming up in weight that that Crawford will finally have found his weight ceiling because remember he started at 135. This guy was a lightweight. It's a big, tall, rangy lightweight who we probably expected to, you know, as he got older, fill out and move up a division or two. But to go up from 135 to 147, I mean, we saw Adrian Broner was a devastating lightweight. Uh, we thought he was the future of the sport. Then all of a sudden he goes up to 140, 147. His power isn't really there anymore, and he's not the same fighter. Now, sure. of course, Terrence Crawford does not bring all of the garbage into the ring, uh, the baggage, the inside and outside, the sort of lack of activity, the the, the weaknesses of Adrian Broner. Terrence Crawford is a much more com- complete fighter. So you, you kind of expect him to be able to come up with – another way to win if he finds that his power at 147 isn't what it was at 140. Um, but it was a weird thing where Terrence Crawford knocked a lot more of the his, fight, his, his meaningful fighters, you know, opponents out at 140 than he did at 135. So maybe he, he has, maybe as he goes up, he gets stronger uh, and his skills are still there. But yeah, the only way you can talk yourself into this being a dangerous fight for Terrence Crawford, I think, is if you, you expect size to be a really big issue. So if, if let's say for some reason his power doesn't translate to 47 and Horn can keep coming, and maybe And, if and Horn is style. quick enough to cut off the ring and really get, and, and somehow, you know, put his body on him, really, and get inside and make it ugly. I think, I think Crawford is too fast, but, but maybe Horn has that craft or something that's deceiving about him that he can get there. I think you have to look at boxing math, and people hate to do boxing and MMA math, you know, the, well, this guy beat that guy, so he probably means he'll beat that guy, but if we think Bud would literally stop Manny and, like, send him to hell, then we have to believe Bud would do the same to Horn quicker, right? Probably, yes. So our only prediction here is whether this goes the distance in a wide, you know, messy, Horn tries everything to dirty it up and chase him around, or whether Horn is so believing in himself that he walks into getting stopped. Your prediction, Rafe, go. I think Horn is not going to give up in this fight. I do think that he is going to keep coming in a way that Victor Postal did not do. He, like, the way the once Postol, you know, he got wobbled bad on one of on one of those counter shots that that Crawford hit him with, and that was basically the end of the fight. He checked out. He was like, "All right, we're going 12. Yeah. Um. I think I I don't think we're gonna see that from Horn. I think he's gonna keep trying to win. Maybe he's tough enough to get through the entire 12 rounds that way. It'll be more fun. It won't be as boring because I think he will continue giving Crawford opportunities to to score points and land punches. 
but I give credit. I give Horn a lot of credit. I do think he's tough. I do think that he has that that steel to res- and reserve to get through a fight. So I think that the corner or the ref will have to stop it. And I kind of think it'll go the distance and, and, and Crawford will win a wide decision. Interesting. Interesting. I do think Jeff is going to get stopped because ultimately what made that Manny fight and what allowed him to come over the top and convince judges that he could win it was that fearlessness, both offensively to be able to just force Manny into a rugged brawl when Manny, Senator Pacquiao, was not prepared for a rugged brawl, right? He was like, I'm going in there for this damn exhibition. In, right, in, this was like Apollo Creed, you know? Yeah. Uh, it was supposed to be an exhibition. And uh the same type of fearlessness is what had him survive that round of hell when Manny was putting it on him and making his head look like Rockman. So he's Crawford is just a killer, man. We're going to see Horn mid-round stoppage. He's going to get out of there. I'm sorry to Joe. I'm sorry to their newborn baby. Actually, you're you're totally right, Brian. I forgot about all of the uh, trash that you know Glenn Rushton and Dean Lonergan have talked uh, in the lead up to this fight, and we've seen like Terrence Crawford was mad at Dieri Jean for yes. like suggesting that he belonged in the ring with him, like really mild stuff. Crawford is going to punish this man and stop him. You're He's right. going to beat the living crap out of him. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's the way it is. We love the 15 minutes. So it's, real quick, I got two quick questions for you. I need it to be quick because we're Sorry, already I'll be quick. so yeah, far bad. over time. And it's my fault because we can't stop talking about gross things, Rafe. It all started <laughs> when I brought up fishnets. Anyway, two quick questions to end this fight. One, ESPN Plus. Do they do massive New subscriptions and numbers from this by taking that chance of putting Bud on the plus rather than on ESPN. Your thoughts? I think they grow. I think it works to some extent, and but I don't think it works a lot because Crawford still isn't a huge draw. So people aren't going out of their way like that to go to to you know sign up for an app, pay five bucks to to see him. I don't think there's quite enough there. It'll grow. I think they'll get something out of it, but not some gigantic boost. Yeah, I think it'll be steady. I think this will be the test market to see, you know, how many people are going to, how many, like, what does boxing really mean to this plus thing? This is the first time they really find it out. Not Amir Khan, not Dan Rayfield's basement. This is the this first This is time. the first fight that if you are a serious boxing fan, you have to watch that that is going to be exclusive to ESPN Plus. So they will learn something there. All right, final question on this fight. Let's say Jeff Horn loses, goes to hell, whatever. What's the rest look like? Is this the end of the 15 minutes of fame? Is the only other time we see him on American TV to be cashed out to some PBC? Is he going to go straight to the PBC line and we'll see him lose to Porter and, and Thurman and everybody else coming up? Or did you see enough in essentially one fight? I know he stopped Gary Corcoran. Who the hell is that? In one fight, did you see enough against Pacquiao that tells you this guy could contend for another world title even if Crawford sends him to hell? That we've got five more years of getting stung by the Hornet. I think he could keep having a pretty meaningful career just because the way he fights he's pretty he's kind of fun he's awkward he's a little bit sloppy but he's he's in there to fight and he's not a pushover we've seen i think we can say that already um and there, there there's so many guys that look if andre berto and josecito lopez are are running around at devin alexander victor ortiz these guys who have really been not have, shouldn't have mattered in any competitive sense at, at 147 pounds are all running around out here getting pretty meaningful fights. Those are going to be there for Jeff Horn as well. And he's got a name because he beat Pacquiao in a fight that 4 million people watched. He's a star in Australia because of that fight. He's going to be able to get guys to come over there and fight him. The chance that if he loses, then maybe that sets up a final fight for Pacquiao where he can 
go and try and Ooh. avenge that loss. You know, that makes a lot of sense uh, next year or something like that. So, yeah, he's going to have options. The only thing that goes against that is, one, if he loses bad and it blows up this whatever – mindset they've built up for, yes. for him and he just loses all that confidence which happened um, by the way to ricky hatton and felix trinidad and nasim hamed right three guys who were unbeaten for so long and then when they finally lose it's over it's over and guys who probably had a lot more natural uh talent and ability to count on to fall back on than than jeff horn does uh rather than this the sort of glenn rushton the swami has talked him into it yes. uh, and then um, he, the other problem is that he seems like he got a good head on his shoulders. He's not trying to milk his body for every dollar it can, he can get out of it in boxing. He wants to make his money and get out. And so maybe they decide to do that and they say enough is enough. Yeah. 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 I, I'd like to see him go on the carnival welterweight circuit, which is like fight American, fight Broner. Like I would fight Victor Ortiz. I'd, I'd love that. Absolutely. I just don't want to see him get served up to all these guys who should be fighting better guys on the PBC, whatever. Uh, Jose Pedraza will be on that undercard against somebody you never heard of. So will Jose Benavidez, the welterweight, but we don't, we don't care. We're going to move on. Only interested there real quick is that him and Terrence Crawford had some nice, nice ringside beef of like six months ago. I, I can't who, remember Benavides? the fight. What? Yeah, Jose Benavidez, because he was uh, Benavidez was saying you should fight me, and, blah, blah, and Terrence Crawford was like, "I'll fight you right now outside." Wow. Which I don't think a professional fighter should be saying, uh, but it was pretty cool. And Crawford had that look. Crawford does not seem like the kind of guy who blusters a lot. Like he had that de- those dead eyes, and he well, was sort of like, "I actually will fight you right now, Jose." Dude, he you tried to fight this? that guy at the car dealership that time. He got his car detailed. Remember that? He tried to fight do the guy. Not, he... cr- do not cross bud. Yeah, that's what I'm talking. Like, like Horn, what are you doing? All right, all right, Rafe. Saturday on Showtime, we have a double header. It's not bad. Not damn bad at all. We'll begin with Jermel Charles. Oh, sorry. Your guy, Ivan Redcock, will be fighting Brian Jones, a welterweight. I don't know if it's on a streaming network or whatever, but it's on that card. Redcock's going up to welterweight? Yeah, you're a big fan of that. Dial dial M for Redcock, something like that. Um, (laughs) The co-main, Jermel Charlo. Austin Trout for Charlo's WBC junior middleweight title. We talked about this when the fight was first announced. You feel bad for Trout here because he's going to give all these names a really good fight. He gave Jermall Charlo a really close decision until Jarrett Swift took his soul. He was really pushing that fight and winning that fight. But now I'm scared for, I'm in the, I'm scared for you, Austin Trout portion of his career where like Jermell's a straight killer, bro. And every fight, every day gets a year older. And when you're Trout and you don't have power. And you are smart, defensive, savvy boxer. One of the best quotes. We love him on this show. Ah, this is a bad matchup for him, Rafe. It's a bad. It's probably better than the previous two matchups in championship fights against Jamal Charlo and uh, you know and Jared Hurd, who are both in, in really difficult out like size matchups for him. They're just so big in the ring, and Trout is a pretty right in the middle career 154 pound guy uh and so at least against Jermel who for some reason his frame is just not quite as big as his twin brother's frame uh seems more natural at 154 it is it will play out like a regular boxing match it's gonna not I don't think it'll be the kind of thing where Trout gasses because he can't deal with the guy leaning all over him and just just tiring him out if he loses, which he was favored to lose. Trout will lose because he gets outboxed by a fresher, younger, stronger guy. Okay, and, so you're hey, saying just, Trout could go the distance here. You're saying Trout will go the distance. Don't be, you're saying don't worry about our guy Austin Trout. He's going to probably lose, but he's going to make it a fun fight. Where I say he did that against Jamal, 
But Jermel is meaning like Jermel don't fool around. Like, have you seen the guys he just like sent to like he, Charles way, Hatley? He, I know these guys aren't. Awesome. It's, that's a good counterpoint. Hatley and you know and a young uh, Erickson Lubin may not be the same talent level of an Austin Trout. But the point is the power and speed are going to be there. And even if Trout has some early success like he did against Swift, the the bomb is coming. It's coming, Rafe. Yeah, it's interesting because over historically, Jermall Charlo has been the guy who gets the knockouts. Jermall Charlo is the guy who wins the decisions over Vanis, and Vanis, you still owe Jermall a tattoo. Um, so, but we have seen in his last two fights crazy, like scary knockouts from Jermall Charlo. So maybe he has unlocked this new great potential. Uh, and and if he does that to Austin Trout, then then you, we know it's real. I mean, three in a row against good competition, yes. not best of the best, but still very good competition. Um, that'll be a, a, a serious statement for another. I mean, they, these Charlo guys, they're making statement after statement after statement, both with this crazy-ass trash talk and in the ring, and they're backing it up so far. Wow. Uh, Jermel you know, told uh, Radio Rahim, by the way, that he's gotten – him and his brother have gotten offers from Eddie Hearn, from Golden Boy, and from Bob Arum of Top Rank, but that they don't need any of those offers. And they want to stay on Showtime, which has been such a good uh, spot for them, and that the brothers will stay together wherever they go in terms of manager, promoters, advisors. So basically they said, we're not going anywhere. You can go to the zone, go wherever you want. We're staying together. This is where we're going to be. We're going to be stars on Showtime. I don't know if you care about they're that. The, uh, they're the, the, the Morris brothers of boxing. Yeah, wow. All right. All right. My prediction is uh, it's Charlo stoppage. I think it will look like Swift hurt against Trout. I think it, I don't think Trout will win as many rounds though. That's my prediction. Okay, you said that you, sounds about right. I'm with you all the way. Um, it won't be as close. I don't think that Trout will be able to outbox Jermel in the same way that he did early against Hurd. And eventually, yeah, he probably gets hit with something, and that's it. All right, the rematch in the main event for Leo Santa Cruz's WBA Super Featherweight Title against Abner Mares. I talked with LSC himself. Let's hear it. Enjoy. a pleasure to talk to you leo i don't know if you get the respect you deserve as being the nicest guy to interview in the sport but it's a it's a true fact leo come on yeah no thank you i'm really glad to hear that all right fired up as many people are for your rematch with abner Mares saturday june 2nd staples center showtime the scene of the first fight three years ago leo i want to start off by saying why the rematch right now uh, well, it's happening right now, you know, uh, I think, you know, before, I don't know why they didn't make it happen, why? But, uh, you know, there were other opponents, so there were other fights that got made, or other opportunities, so, you know, we took them, and, you know, now that Mares, he, he won the WBA, the interim, and stuff, and so, I like, I like I said, I would give him the image right away, but it didn't happen, but now that I gave it to him, and I'm happy, and hopefully we give another great fight. Yeah, you're happy. We are very happy, Leo. And that fight in 2015, one of the best of the year. How much does that fight mean to you when you look back over your career? Oh, no, that was one of the, I think, the biggest fights in my career. It was, it was the one that put me to the next level, you know, that put me right there in the one of the best. You know, because Marius, he had been a three-division world champion, and he had beat, beat good opponents. And then for me to go out there and beat him and, you know, give a great fight like we did, yeah, it was really great, and that's where it moved me to the next level. You know, that fight had so much action. It got a big push on ESPN. It did mm-hmm. a giant rating. When you look back at that, mm-hmm. what did Abner do well to, to make that a close fight and what ultimately became a majority decision win for you? 
And you know, he, he had heart, you know, he, he like a true warrior, a Mexican warrior. He comes over, he was throwing a lot of punches, he was fighting there with me, he didn't run, he he was just there, you know, changing punches with me and everything, and he came to fight. He came to fight, he was ready and he gave everything he got. How, you know, three years can change a lot for, for both fighters. I think, you know, when you look at the both of you, you both are entering this fight on the up and up. You know, you're moving in the right direction. But yeah. how do you think that'll change what the rematch looks like? Well, you know, I think the rematch is going to make it better because, you know, Maris, he has learned a lot. He, he has a new trainer, Robert Garcia. He has taken new things and he has gotten a lot better. So, and me, I'm the same. You know, I have gotten a lot better. I have gotten experience, learned a lot from the Fountain fights. And so I think it's going to be even a better fight or, you know, more technical fight. You know, there's potential here, Leo. I don't want to put any pressure on you, but that first fight was so good. Yeah. And you guys are so evenly matched that there's potential. This could be a rivalry, right? There's This could be a, more, you know, Barrera Morales. That rivalry, as an example, was fueled by their hatred for each other. How about you and Abner? What's your relationship with each other? You know, from my side, there's no hatred or nothing. I, like, I don't hate him. Or anything, you guys, you know, we're both fighting for here for LA. We're both one of the best, so, you know, we gotta fight each other. But rather than that, you know, we know we need to do a good fight, and of course, it could be, you know, uh, those rivalry again, like, you know, Barrera Morales, and it's, it could be one of those. So, if the fans want it, we'll give it to them. Absolutely, I love that. You know, and, and not, no yeah, disrespect yeah. to the rivalry you just had with Carl Frampton and still have because those two fights that we saw, yeah. you know, last year and the year before, spectacular. So what did you learn about yourself in those two bouts? I, you know, I learned that, you know, I have to fight my fight. You know, I don't have to go out there and just try to do like I was fight. you know, I was going there and brawl and exchange punches. Sometimes I had to be smart and I had to box. I had to for my perfect shots, I had to wait. I don't have to be trying to throw all the time, and I had to listen to my corner. You know, and my dad wasn't there telling me what to do, and so I really go with the with the game plan that we had to go there with. So I think I learned, and and I learned that I had to be there and just pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you mentioned your father, and he, he's overcome so much. What is his health status as we speak now? Oh, uh, right now, he's. Cancer is already in remission, and the right now I think there's no cancer, but I think the the pain he still had a lot of pain, and he he got nauseous, he's throwing up sometimes, and most of the time he's in pain. But rather than that, everything's great. Uh, he said he's still a lot better than than the last two camps, so that's a plus. You know, it takes incredible strength to do what he's doing. How inspired are you to watch his yeah. fight? I'm I'm, I'm so you know I'm. I say if he, if he could do it, if he could do it, uh, why, you know, sometimes I'm feeling tired and here in the gym and everything. And I say, if, if my dad is doing, you know, what he's feeling is really bad and it's worse than what I feel. So if he could do it, why can I not do it? And also if, when I come in the gym and I do really good or I do what he wants me to do, it gets him happy. It gets me, it gets him motivated. So, and I like to see him happy. I like to see him. Uh, with a smile on his face and not thinking about the pain or what he's feeling. That's great. That's awesome. You know, what is it about the relationship between you? Because some fathers and sons, in the, when they're trainer and fighter, it doesn't always work out. You guys seem so closely bonded. Why does this work? I think it works because, you know, he's always been there for me since, since I was really small, since I was first started. Martin, he was the one that told me to put on some gloves and get in the ring to spar. And since that day on, he was always there with me. He, he wasn't my trainer, but he was there with me, telling me to put my punch, 
my punches to put my hands up to throw good punches and stuff like that. And since that day on, you know, we were always close together. And yeah, we we have our arguments and stuff like that. But like the next day, like if nothing happens, we don't have we don't have the grudge that you know we don't stay with the grudge that we stay mad like for a week or two weeks or like that. It is like we get mad one day and then the next day it's like nothing happened. <laughs> when did he become your trainer? Then when did that start? Uh, it's, he started becoming my trainer when I was like uh, maybe 12, 13 fights. I think uh, I always wanted my dad to be my trainer, but he said he never wanted to be my trainer because he said that he didn't know that he was he didn't have no experience or nothing like that. But I said uh, you, you have a swing. You always box, wa- watching boxing. You always learning from every fighter and stuff like that. So. I said, why don't you train me? So he said, okay, I will give it a try. And that's when he became my trainer and everything was better, better with him. We did, you know, the sparring and training and everything. And my fights, I looked better with my dad. So even the promoter said, oh, yeah, it's a good idea to have your dad. Oh, for sure. You know, every dad has a way of yeah. motivating their son, whether it's with a look or, or, or yeah. telling you. What does your dad do that gets under your skin and fires you up that you know in the fight. When he does that, it's time to go out there and, and, and bring it. No, he's always pushing, you know, he's always pushing me. He's, uh, tell, uh, you know, he's screaming at me. He, he, and he tells me the, the right things. You know, he tells me what the right things. So, you know, no dad is going to ever lie to you. So he tells me how it is. And I like that when, you know, he's screaming at me. It's giving me mad and stuff, but, you know, I, I still, I know he's in it for my own good. Now, has he been in camp? For you, for for this one, for this one ahead of Mars. Yeah, he has been here in camp for the whole time. This time, or so he's been here. He hasn't missed no days. And will we see the cowboy hat Saturday, June second at the Staples Center? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, he's always gonna be there with his cowboy hat. He always brings it here in the gym. So I'm pretty sure he's gonna have it in the fight day. All right, Leo, you are one of the biggest names in one of the cr- most crowded divisions. This is a loaded division that has stayed that way for a few years. We still don't really have full clarity. So besides yourself, who's the class of this division? What's what's the one name that you think is, is the man outside of yourself at 126? Uh, you know, there's a lot of good fighters like that. You know, I wouldn't like, like it, but you know, uh, uh, you know, Gary Russell, uh, Carl Brandon, Oscar Valdez, you know, all of them are, you know, from that, from my class, but from out of my weight class, you know, there's, um, Canelo, I think, you know, the Charlotte brothers, uh, Triple G, um, Mikey Garcia, all those fighters, they're one of the best. Absolutely, no question about it. In in this low division, we just saw Gary Russell, we just saw Carl Frampton. Uh, do you think a third fight with Frampton at any point in your career is something that's still out there for you that you still want? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's what we want. You know, I gave, I told the family I would give him the third fight. And I'm pretty sure if we get the win and it's going to happen sooner, pretty soon that fight. Now, Leo, you came onto the scene as a aggressive, uh, you know, body puncher, a swarming guy. But I feel like from the Abner fight through the two Frampton fights, you've been able to show that there's some real you know, boxing class underneath there. You're a smart fighter. You can carry out a game plan very well. How important was that for you to show the full arsenal? You know, it was very important for me to show that because, you know, uh, people, like you said, they thought that I was just a fighter that went forward just throwing punches and putting box or, or you know, fight like that. So I, it was really important for me. And I always knew I could do it, but, you know, the fans, they love a fighter that always go too far, that's changing punches back and forth. And but sometimes you have to be smart. You don't have to do just that. You could fight another way, and the people will still like it. So that's why we did it, and we showed that we could fight another way. 
All right, as we head into this rematch with Abner, do you think it's he, he will be as aggressive as he was the first time around? Because I think that's in the first few rounds especially, that's what made everybody jump out of their seat. They're like, oh, yeah, this is as advertised. This is going to be a crazy fight. I felt like Abner just went after you. Are you expecting that this time around? No, I'm not expecting that. I, I think he's going to be more cautious this time. He's going to be uh, more smarter. And because, you know, he, he gassed out. You know, he, he came out and he tried to knock me out. And he got to guess out those third round, those first three rounds because he wanted to, you know, try knock me out. But I think they think he's going to come out more relaxed, more smarter, and just try to move more. All right, Leo, monster fight here. You're 29 yeah. years old. We, we, yeah. We've seen you for a few years. Do you, do you start to look ahead as you enter the second half of your career and say, okay, I want these are the goals I have in front of me. This is how I want to be remembered. This is what I want to do. What what's sort of on your mind as as you look at the second half, the second chapter beginning? Yeah, because you know I, I want to, you know, unify. I want to win this fight against Hamdemaris. Hopefully, then unify. You know, I want to unify. If the, the unification can happen, or for any reason, I want to move up in weight. I want to move up to one thirty and look for another title right there at one thirty. So that way, I could be remembered as a four division world champion. And maybe become one of one of the best, and you know, and remember as a Hall of Famer or something. Oh, I love that. I love that. Do you think 130 is the ceiling for you in terms of the kind of weight you want to climb up to? Yeah, I think so. You know, I I think 130 is uh, right there. Uh, first, I, I thought maybe 135 would have been good too, but I think maybe 130 is I said, and uh, 130 would be my goal. Was there last question here, Leo? Was there any fighter you didn't get a chance to fight that you really wanted to? Because for years everybody was like, "Oh, it's got to be Rigondeaux. We got to see Leo against him." And then it was, "Man, imagine Lomachenko with Leo." What's the What's the one name you yeah. missed that you really wanted the most? Yeah, no, it was those two, Lomachenko or or Because you know that people they wanted me to fight them, and people thought that I was the one that didn't want to fight them. I said I was I was able to if I were able to pick, I would fight them when they told me. But you know, it's not just up to me. The promoters, the the managers, they have to want it. You know, yeah, they want to have to make it. Not only because I say, oh, I'm gonna fight them, I'm gonna fight them. It's you know, but people sometimes they don't understand and think that we're the one that's scared, but. We have a team, and the team has the one that has to agree with it too, and has to make the fight happen. Too. Hey, you never know. There's still time. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Leo, thanks yeah. for the time, buddy. Best yeah, of luck. This will be a fun fight. Not, Can't wait. No, you're welcome. Hey, Rafe, uh, Leo is a really nice guy. And I don't say that as a way to say, wow, that interview was really boring. Let's say something nice about him. I mean it like he's a really genuine, heartfelt dude. I mean, I know he named one of his kids after Al Heyman, but, like, he's solid. He's a solid guy. I mean, I'm happy for him that his dad's starting to feel a little bit better. He's back in training camp with him after battling cancer. You got anything bad to say about Leo Santa Cruz? I do not have anything bad to say about Leo Santa Cruz. I have one criticism of this fight, which is it doesn't need a rematch. Leo won very comfortably in the first one, very convincingly. Uh, Maris came out strong, re- had a good game plan, basically said, I'm going to lay my balls out on the line and go for this yeah. and made it a fun fight. But how is that going to change in this one? I don't think it will. Uh, I think Leo is just bigger, better at this weight and at the, and at their respective ages. That's nothing against Maris. I guess because they're both LA, you know, they both fight in and out of the LA area. Uh, it's at Staples Center. Obviously a big Mexican and Mexican American crowd for two Mexican and Mexican American fighters. Uh, but so, so it makes business sense, but 
Leo is a fighter who I think could really achieve high levels in the sport. And I know he mentions after this, if he, you know, he, he if he beats Marius, then he's going to start looking at Gary Russell, Carl, another a, a trilogy fight with Carl Frampton. Yes, do that. You know, he, he is, he is led his career. He's beaten up a lot of bums, mostly. Uh, Maris oh, and Frampton you. are his two you. good you. wins to me. And I want to see more. I want him to go for it now. Let's see. Wow. Let's, let's make something happen here. This 126, 130, they're real fights out there. Go ahead. Make them happen. I just said, do you have anything bad to say about Leo? You're like, yeah, I got five things bad to say about him. Um, I agree in theory of the, do we really need this rematch? I did ask him and he's like, look, two things. He said, one, the fans wanted this and, and he's uh, all for the fans. That's why I got mad that he never got to fight Loma or Rigo. It's a, he's all for the fans. But two, he says something about Mares getting in line as a mandatory after some recent wins. So if that is ends up being the case, you're like, I'd rather see this than a Chris Avalos type fight, you know, whatever. It's going to be fun. But here's, let me ask you if this pulls you back in, Rafe. And something I did ask him was that first fight, we can't say nothing wrong about it. It was a really damn good fight of the year contender fight, right? Leo won by majority decision. There was, it was a, there wasn't a lot of like, did you, did in, you have it that close? Brian? No, I did, did not really? have it that close. I think I had it 15, 13 because Mara's rallied oh. late to, to steal a couple rounds. The one thing it didn't have was momentum shifts, meaning even though Mara's fought credible to make it a brawl, I never thought he had Leo really like hurt or in bad trouble. I felt like Leo made the adjustments and controlled the fight. But one thing I did say to him was, look, first fight, we all loved it. Did a huge ratings. You know, Staples Center was wild. Maybe you guys, if you can do it again, you got something here. You got a poor man's Barrera Morales thing. You know what I mean? You Maybe you guys got a future in a trilogy. Do you think, are you underselling the potential that this fight, whether being a pure brawl or just being a fun fight with, with you know, action and, and skills, could end up being, could turn into something. Where at the end you go, oh my god, wow, that was really, that was fun, let's do it again. Wait, let's wait two years and do it again. I would be surprised. I think, I just don't think Maris is, is quite on the level for that. He's, he's gonna come and, and fight credibly, make a good fight, but one that competitively I don't think we need to keep seeing time after time after time. Now, obviously if Maris somehow outclasses him, scores a, oh, scores a surprise knockout or really somehow pulls this, pulls out a win when I don't expect him to, then yeah, then we are looking at trilogy and we're looking at big things, but I don't see it. Wow. Wow. Well, he has a new trainer, Robert Garcia, correct? Or no, no. Where are we at with Abner Mars and his trainer situation? He's got a new one, right? I don't know where he's training right now. Is he, he did oh, train with yeah, Robert a little bit. He was, he, he no longer with, with Virgil Hunter, um, which I think was a good decision. They just didn't, style wise, didn't seem to make a ton of sense together. But yeah, I don't know. Robert's a great, a great trainer. I think he'll, he'll get the most out of him. So uh, Leo can help him in the fight. Leo doesn't think Mars is going to do what he did in the first fight, which is come out and brawl and go mano y mano. He thinks there's going to be some class. There's a lot of people in this sports boxing journalism game who think that the two fights since the Leo fight, which it was a Mars split decision over Cuellar, and a Mara's technical decision over Andres Gutierrez that in both fights he showed new wrinkles, new boxer puncher, you know, combination, new, new freshness to show you that he's a, maybe a different fighter, an evolved fighter. I don't know. He also fought once per year. How much are you going to get out of that? Yeah, he, the Cuellar fight was really good. He did, he did show a little bit more in there, but it was against Cuellar. It was against a guy who even the old Mara's was, was, had a skill advantage over going into that fight. Okay. Okay. So, it's going to be hard then in your eyes unless Mares hurts Leo 
to outbox him. It's going to be hard. Maybe the the ceiling is essentially what we're saying here for Mares is make it another fun action fight and then lose on the cards. That's what I expect. All right. Then that's our that's really our prediction. Leo yep. doesn't have the power really to end people these days unless he's in there against a bum. So there you we most go. of the time, yeah, I think yeah, Leo, Leo decision, pretty comfortable. Maybe it, maybe it's closer on the cards because of the event and the atmosphere and the respect that that the sport oh. has for Abner Maris, which he's deserved. Um, but I think I think Leo wins this. Way to pull all the fun out of the fight. You're like, yeah, it'll probably be like a little bit fun, but we already know what's going to happen. It will be a fun fight. Yo, that part is true. It will be. I, these guys are fun to watch. They're never not fun to watch. They're good fighters, but one guy is better. All right, all right. If you don't like that. You have a problem? Turn off your station. All right, all right. Finally, Rafe, <laughs> Saturday, Manchester, England, not on TV from what I know. Hi, hi. Shout out to the Irish crew. Shout out to Alex Godinez, ADK crew. Here we go. All time gypsy boys. The Irish crew. Hey, hey. Here we go. Rising, take a punch like Mike Tyson. Who knows? Kick it to the top like a hardcore porno. All right, Rafe, uh, 10 rounds against Surfing Safari uh, in England. Um, okay, so. Uh, how many rounds is this going to go? You never know. Tyson Fury, I, I expect it to go pretty deep. I mean, one, he said he wants to get rounds. Uh, so Safari would have to be pretty bad. He, you know, he'd have to, he'd have to be really bad to, to go to lose <laughs> early to Tyson Fury, who's not trying to win early. Um, and Tyson Fury doesn't knock too many guys out early. No. I, I, I've never seen Severus Safari fight, so he could be that bad, but. I think the idea is to make it look more competitive than it is on paper. I need to see rounds out of him. So don't give me an early knockdown, knockout here. Give me some, show me that you're thin. Show me that the hand speed's still there. Show me that we could come out of this fight believing that you are the kryptonite for the supermen of this division, that you are the only man, Tyson Fury, at 6'9", with long arms and quick feet and quick hands and a big C, apparently, that you are the only somehow the Irish crew's cursed and didn't uh, miss that one. That you are the only man who can disarm Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua in that division. If he shows us that this weekend, it will be a success against uh, uh, Kokomo Surf and Safari. You know, whatever Pet Sounds, whatever this guy's name is, whatever you want to call him here, Rafe. Uh, wow, Surf Sefer Safari. There you go. Uh, do you have anything else to say about Tyson Fury before we go? I, I, I agree. I, I want to see the. I want to see the dancing bear. I want to see that agility. I want to see that speed. I want to see the panache, the the boxing acumen, the guy who really, you know, really can control a fight without having great power. No um, panache. Um, do you need to see singing afterwards? I can lay you just to see you need that because i need that i need i think that. i do too yeah i mean baby i just don't oh, get yeah. it do you enjoy being heard i know you smell the perfume the makeup, makeup on the shirt if i was your man story, story, you know that there won't lie michelle joy as you want stick around, stick around. I, just I just don't know why, why. If, I if i was your man, man, was your man baby, you never worry <laughs> about if i was your if i was your man home back to you Mario, Match. man, that's a good choice. I give I give him credit for for liking some good 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 old, good ass music. You know what, Brian? One thing I want to say about Tyson Fury, and this is kind of interesting. 
<laughs> Tyson Fury, we forget because he was already like 400 pounds and not coming back to the sport, apparently, popped for the steroid Nandrolone yeah, before, before the Klitschko fight. He did his greatest night in the ring, and then he blamed it on eating uncastrated wild boar meat. Wow. So here's there's a we lot of We spent months going here. crazy over Canelo and the tainted beef computerol thing and Fury because he's sort of in and out of the sport, no one knows how serious to take him and he's just sort of fun to listen to. We get we're giving him way too more, more than a pass than he deserves. I don't know if I really am mad about it because I just like I enjoy the guy's antics, uh, and, and he is a talented fighter, but it is not there. It is another bizarre double standard well, that we have here. Let's, here's, let's be really honest about this. If that's all true, he looked quicker, confident with a bigger gas tank against Vlad than we've ever seen. So you could say. If that is true, I am going, I am. I am going out into the woods to catch me some wild boar yes, and yes. eat them nuts. Cause man, that's, that's superpowers. If you're asking me, have I in t- boxing texts with friends while talking about heavyweight division said, man, I hope Fury has the right dosage so that we can see some good fights. Cause I don't think he punches hard enough where he's going to end any of these guys. So you don't have to put me on the trial years from now and play this soundbite from this podcast and be like, well, Campbell supports this guy trying to kill people. He's not going to kill people. It's just going to make him faster and it's going to make the heavyweight division more fun. And yes, that is a double standard that because he sings afterwards and I'm sort of like, oh, he's using PED, PEDs. Let's hope he's using the good stuff this time around. Yeah, but it's also a, a double standard. And some people like Corey Erdman on boxing scene have started to write about this this week is that Fury went away for cocaine, but largely for mental health issues. And in a advanced... We don't know that for sure. A lot of comments. Read the, read read some headlines from Fury this week. He talks about uh, a couple uh, years yeah. ago almost taking you his know, life. You know what I'll say about that? Well, Look, let, well hold I, on. Let me, let me just right, say right, this, all right. all right? We are woke now to mental health. Uh, Moro Ronaldo's bipolar rock and roller documentary on Showtime just a week ago was really good and really eye-opening. And I support where we're going with this. And we're giving this guy, probably because of all the horrible things that come out of his mouth, almost, so we're giving him a double standard on PEDs, but we're also giving him a double standard on the mental health and just being, oh, well, that guy's crazy. Who cares about that? You know, that's Tyson Fury. He's crazy. We're not being like, well, hey, maybe we should support Tyson Fury and say, you know, he went through some crap and he's coming through the other side. You're saying, not so fast, my friend. Um, I, I don't think that Tyson Fury is the first fighter to ever deal with depression, uh, and substance abuse issues. And I'm glad that he appears to have gotten over them. That is all, that's a respect, that is a journey I have respect for. And, and I hope he stays, you know, on whatever the best path for himself is. But this guy, Tyson Fury, he comes from a, you don't want to stereotype the traveler community too much, but what are they known most for in the world? Con artistry. And he is a guy with the, an amazing gift of gab who can sell pretty much any story when you listen to him. Wow. And I think he's playing people. He knows how to play people. He knows how to play straight, right down the middle, chumps like us. And he's going to play us. And that doesn't mean that his problems weren't real and that he didn't have to overcome them. But he also knows how to use that to sell. And so it's two things at the same time. And... We can't judge any – we don't really know anything about how real or not real anything is in boxing anyway. Um, So I just hope that – I hope the best for him. I hope he makes money, and I hope he takes care of himself and his family. But his struggles, you know, I don't need to hear about his struggles. We all got our own struggles. Wow, Rafe. How dare you? Wow. Wow. Yeah, I don't know, man. Wow. I'm just going to let it linger. I mean, you know, do you have to? Do you have to let it linger? Wow. let it linger. Wow. All right. Hey, there's a lot of double standards going on. On that undercard, Rafe, do you care 
about the vacant WBO junior welterweight title fight between Terry Flanagan and Maurice Hooker, or do you only care about reading box uh, boxing scene headlines that involve Hooker in it? I mostly care about the the boxing scene headlines, which have been on fire for months. Everyone is every single headline is like Hooker says. <laughs> Terry Flanagan will be destroyed when Hooker is done with him. It is unbelievable. <laughs> I think they're doing it for me at this point because I love it so much. Uh, Flanagan, by the way, is a Brit, 33 and 0, 13 KOs. He, uh, yeah, he took a decision over Peter Petrov, sent Orlando Cruz to hell, took a decision over Deary Matthews, beat Diego Magdaleno by TKO. This guy's done some things. This is a big moment for him for his first world title. I don't, I'm not really into it, but you uh, actually, I'm sorry. He's defending his world title. It's not moving me, Rafe. He's fighting for a vacant one. He was the champion. I don't care. I'm done talking about this. He moved up in weight. That's what happened, Rafe. He moved up from 35 to 40. I'm done talking about this. The show's over. All right. It's over. You got anything else done. to say? We out. Yeah. We, yeah, basically we out. All right. Follow <laughs> us on the social webs at Rafe Bugs at B Campbell CBS. Give a, give a follow to the damn show at in this corner CBS. Special thanks. To Jeff Hahn, Bud Crawford, and Leo Santa Cruz for this week. Rafe, it's been a few, full pleasure. This may be our last episode ever, but we, we went out in an absolute blaze of glory. Or gory. Blaze of gory, probably. You got anything else gross you want to talk about this week? We're out.